Then you get to like Halloween, especially um, Friday the 13th, and they're very, very different sort of in tone. And that's where you start to see the sense or like that whole idea that people are being punished for their transgressions, sex, drugs. And I started to look at Jason as he's Ronald Reagan. (laughs) <laughs> and, it's, and, it's, and, and it's not like I can't uh, wait for this Welcome everybody to the Spawn of Me podcast This is your host Khalif Adams I am joined this week and every week with my man Mamelo, the smooth kind of fellow, that man over there to the left of me and the right of you, he is the two-stepper of love. It is Cicero Holmes. How are you, sir? I'm breaking it on down with uh, John Taylor. It's the John Taylor episode, episode number 82, uh, the least celebrated of the great 49ers from the late uh, 80s, early 90s, John Taylor, episode 82. I am doing fantastic. I think you How just you, real, I think you just really randomly just brought up a random black guy name and then just put it into the room. Because I'm like, John, who? I'm like, who yeah, is this see, John Taylor see, person? John, that you John Taylor random? was dope, man. John Taylor was dope, man. He Look, wherever you at, John, I got your back, baby. Oh, damn. You made that sound like he did a bid anyway. Yeah, hey. Look, <laughs> hey he, he might have. No one's seen him. Like he, was taking that, he, like he was taking that cell block depot right, next to yep. the palm tree. <laughs> who do you who you think sold Jamarcus Russell that scissor? Oh, so. So, so wait a minute. Here's something really quick. Okay. I was, I was looking for music for uh-huh. today's show. Okay, And I was like, well, I'm trying to find some kind of scary music, something that kind of invokes, because we're going to talk a lot about horror this show. Yeah, uh, we are. Yeah. So, werewolf, so, werewolf bar mitzvah. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I was looking for some scary music, and I didn't want to do the usual kind of trite Rockwell, uh, the kind of uh, Nightmare in My Street with uh, right. Fresh Prince and stuff. So right. I was trying to find some stuff, and I randomly came across an NFL Jams album. <laughs> for Halloween? No, it wasn't because I was trying to find samples that were scary, and they randomly okay. got me to this place. You know when you go down the YouTube kind of uh, right? Yeah, yeah. You went down the well. I went the down well the well. Shall not be shall not be named. Right, and it landed me in the NFL Jam section of YouTube. <laughs> oh god, where where it was a it was a track. I think it was Method Man and Rodney Hampton. What? It was some random shit, and I'm not going to play it. And I might be wrong because there were too many people. There were too many random collaborations. It was like Fife. It was like Fife and and Rocket Ishmael who played for the for the, for the Oakland Raiders. It was these random ass collaborations. Oh and then Jeez. I'm going to play it the next time we have like a sports related show. Okay, I'm going to play it because I, I mean I've got to hear I've got to hear the Hot 16 from. From Method Man and Rodney Hampton. Rodney Rodney Hampton sounds like he just came out of the methadone clinic. My name is Hampton. They call me High Rob. Before stepping to me, you better pray to your God. Even folks on the West knows who's in charge. Top 10 running back. I never try to play law. And I was like, oh, Rodney. Like, it was was the perfect kind of. (laughs) He was sitting in the basement with Leon Spinks learning how to rob. It was the bad. The bad part about it was he was trying so hard, but you can oh. see that all those hits to the head really took their toll. And I felt yabba bad. dabba, yabba dabba. I felt bad. 
I felt really bad because I was like, I feel so bad for Rodney. Plus, this uh-huh. should totally be a 30 for 30 on ESPN about, <laughs> <We're> about <laughs> NFL <laughs> players who tried to rap. And it didn't work oh. out. Oh, so, shit. So, so I, if you wanted to know how I was doing, I'm doing really well. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you. Thank you for that. Um, you, you, what you should have done, if you wanted some scary music, um, you, you should have just played anything from Roy Jones's catalog. Oh, you must have uh, forgot. Must, y'all, y'all must have forgot. You must have so, forgot. <laughs> oh. So um, we we almost forgot uh, that we we've got a couple of guests with us uh, today. Um, the first the first is is someone who was here last week, and as we get into our obligatory housekeeping, um, and and first and foremost, shout out uh, the the amazing Olivier uh, Madiba Olivier, um, the the studio head. For Kiro Games and their Orion, the legacy of the Carol Odin. Um, I, I think I got that. Carol Odon, I got it right. Um, what what an amazing game. What an amazing man. What an amazing story. Um, we're so happy that we were able to bring it to you guys. And uh, we're really, really happy about the the uh, the feedback that we've gotten from the show. I thought it was great, along with the music break. Um, <clears throat> um, that was great also. Um, but with us is our minister of no finance. It's Mr. Sharif Jackson. Mr. Sharif Jackson, how are you today, sir? Hey guys, I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Um, so the Jonathan Taylor thing, I was really hoping that you meant like Jonathan Taylor Thomas. No, because it'd be like a JTT shout out. Uh, but you went to football. That's that's okay though. But I'm saying I was a big Home Improvement fan uh, back in the day. JTT made me want to have bangs. And yeah. I never had hair that oh I would be able gosh. to have bangs. He was, he, he, was, he was a rebel, guys. He was a rebel. He was, he was like the only 10-year-old rocking a members-only jacket. It was dope. <laughs> in, in 1991. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So, I've, I've discovered something. I've discovered why you have no hair. It's because you were always envious of other people's hair. So, you've got bad hair karma. And that is why you have no hair now. I, I always cut my hair off. That's why I still have a full head of hair. I get mad because I got hair. Actually, you get you know, mad because you have no hair. No, actually, you know what? This is this is the real reason I went bald early is because I had, quote unquote, nice hair, quote unquote, is what they say. Oh, you had good hair? You had Indian in your family? <laughs> Someone told me I did. So here's the thing is I my my my, my low cut. I had a Caesar. Uh-huh. And I remember this one summer where it took me like at least two weeks to try to get waves because I put my stocking cap on and I was brushing the shit out of my head and it right. wouldn't work. Oh, you did. Oh, you did 20, 20, so, 20 yeah. to the front, 20 to the front, 20, 20, 20 to the, the back. 20 to the side. Yeah. And I think that that was the actual reason why I went bald early because I was brushing the shit out of my scalp. You rubbed I, it out. I probably, I probably fucked up every follicle on the top of my head by trying to rub as hard as I could to get some waves. Oh, so that might have been the real reason why I don't have hair now. That right. may be a reason. <laughs> All right. Well, um, you know, I, I guess speaking of of not having hair, and, and this, maybe maybe our guests our guests followed the same. You guys were hanging out together and doing the same thing, had the same routine. Um, so, so th- this gentleman was was on our show um, about six months ago. Yeah, I guess yeah, around February, um, and he came on to talk about things but we really didn't talk about things as much as we talked about stuff because it was just such an amazing experience um and he has since gone on to do more great things i i would like to believe that uh, his his appearance in Bercago 
um, really kind of spurred all of that stuff on. Um, but but this gentleman, you know, he's been around for ages. He's he's you know really been in the games industry for a long time, uh, a luminary as uh, of sorts in the game industry. He's also rumored to be the person. Uh, that uh, approved the repealing of Glass-Steagall. He is the one and only... Um, and and because of of course because he is a returning a returning guest he is no longer a guest he has to have a job uh, he is uh, Kali Fadim's hair head mentor he is <laughs> nice. the head detective yes the head detective <laughs> right the Hedy Murphys um, <laughs> he, he is he is the one and only. Um, the amazing Bricago, say hello to your minister of health, oh. Mr. <laughs> Adam Sessler. Adam, hey how are you? <laughs> I'm, I'm doing well. I'm, I'm trying to think, like, could I have been the guy like, hey, Glass Eagle? I don't know. Just, right. <laughs> give me a drink. Right. Repeal whatever the fuck you want. Right. And she's like, thank God, look, my hands are empty. <laughs> I'm trying to think about me in the late 90s when they were making that decision. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, you, you yeah. worked, didn't you? You worked for a financial institution at oh, the time. Oh, I did. Oh, I did. At the time. So, so. now my, okay, so I worked at, it was, it was at the time it was a Dutch bank called ABN AMRO. Okay. Um, I think they got acquired by Barclays. Uh a few years ago, but that was like 95 to 97, so I don't know if Glass-Steagall had happened just yet. It was, I think that was like 99, Glass-Steagall. Yeah, because I think Glass-Steagall was like, ooh, Monica Lewinsky, hey, Wall Street, here, right, right. have fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> go, go experiment with everyone's money. That sounds like a wonderful thing to do. Yeah. But what I do know is that when I was at that bank, I was helping put together things that were termed synthetic loans. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's always and, an adjective that you want to or a noun that you want to exactly. have in front of your loan. <laughs> and at the time, I'm like, that's not a good adjective to proceed loan. I'm I'm just I, it's like you know I'm an English major. I just got out of college, and so I'm 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 into the meaning of things. Right. And it's, yeah, so I, I still feel that, yeah, I, I, I had something to do with something that happened in 2008. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, uh, so the reason, sir, you are the Minister of Health uh, for Bricago is I, I, I can think of no one better to uh, be responsible for both our physical and mental health. Um, both uh, since, you know, your, your longevity and your, uh, your ability to, to maintain your physique, even though you lost your hair, um, you were able to maintain your physique in the craziness that is the world of games. And uh, additionally, uh, just the fact that part of mental health is scaring the shit out of people. And I know that's something that you really, really enjoy is, is yep. having the shit scared out of you. No, I like that. I like that. It's funny because this reminds me of something about 15 years ago. I was trying to start something with some friends of mine, and it was really just so I could call one of my buddies the Minister of Long Hard Stairs because <laughs> he was so he was so good at it. And I'm like, I want you to be my Minister of Long Hard Stairs. Right, right, right. And, and, and it was like, well, who are we? I'm like, I haven't gotten that far. Right, I just right, want right, him. Right. <laughs> I mean, this is. I mean, this but was that's like, incredibly kind. Yeah. I, I have no idea how I survived. Um, there was a few moments where I'm like, is this 
is surviving? I, I, I don't know. <laughs> but thank you very much. <laughs> oh my God! So it's been it's been like C said around probably six or seven months since we last spoke. Since we last, it was right before GDC. Remember, yes. you were telling me I was on a panel. I that's was not right. on. That's it was, right. It was actually one of the most amazing, <laughs> that amazing parts. <laughs> to Wait, this I, day, I, to this day, that was incredible. I, was, I listened to this episode, and that part cracks me up yeah, so you know, hard because I was like, "Oh man, this is gonna suck now." So, we, so the funny thing was, so the funny thing was, we, I went to GDC and I was like, "All right, I'm gonna sit on this panel." Oh, I didn't tell you, yeah, because I wrote them the next day. They're like, "Oh yeah, you're not on it." And I'm like, "Well, maybe I want to be." Right. Now hold on, now right? <laughs> Because I, I was like, I was like, Adam and I are gonna have to have a discussion because Adam didn't show up for this damn panel. <laughs> and I was like, what happened? I was like, did I say something wrong? Did I do, did I do something? You know what's funny is what, 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 what I found since I left the press because when I was in the press, I would spend the majority all of my time on the show floor of an E3 or GDC. And now I'm finding that I'm, I'm in the lobby of hotels. I'm one of those kind of creepy, leechy, crawly guys. <laughs> because that's where you're, you're trying to run into someone. Right. Like, I've actually gotten more jobs out of being in the lobby of a hotel. Like, oh, Adam, I've been, I've been wanting to get in touch right. with you. And that doesn't happen on the show floor. It's really weird. I mean, that's the weird thing. You know, I'm lucky enough to have had people, you know, give me some hints, tips, and tricks about how to kind of navigate those spaces when you're doing you're doing press and when you're kind of trying to get your name out there and network and stuff like that and it seems to be like that's the way a lot of it works which is really interesting it's it's all i mean and i think that's how it works with political reporting in dc right it's that right. you you become really kind of sociable with people i know this became kind of scandalous last year but right, right. it's really hard to get a source if the source can't trust you and how are they going to trust you if you just like write them a note trust me <laughs> right no do you trust you me check your Yes yeah. or no? <laughs> yeah, Maybe. I mean, you, you have a couple of drinks. Both of you trade some secrets that you promise not to tell. Right. If they live up to it, you start to build the relationship. Right. And that was the weird thing when all that stuff popped off. And I was like, wait a minute. This is how actual relationships build and how you work and, yeah. how, you, and how you learn to you know talk to people and get information. And not even for nefarious reasons. Just because it's like, you do cool shit, I do cool shit, let's talk about the cool you, shit we ex- do. Exactly. And, and there is a degree of manipulation on all sides. That's how it works. Exactly. But it, 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 it reminds me, because you know, when, when, I, when I grew up in the East Bay, I, I lived across the street from a BART station had a big parking lot. And so I, w- I would take my bike out there and ride around. And there was this kid one time who came up and and he introduced himself. He says, do you want to be my friend? <laughs> and, all, and all that went through my head is, well, that's kind of presumptuous. Right. <laughs> I'm like, we can hang out right now and figure out a friendship will emerge out of our encounter. But I'm not committing to friendship right, right. now. I mean, that's a little intense. That's a long-term commitment. <laughs> I've never forgotten that incident. I'm just, you know, I'm not, my nine-year-old brain is, it doesn't work that way, I don't think. <laughs> but that, so guy's, think, that guy's name was Mark Cerny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. But what I love is that like people think that there's a journalist walks up to some dude and he's like, hey, you want to be my source? Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck yeah, I want to be your yeah. source. That sounds like great. I'm going to risk my career on you, Mr. Stranger. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I'm, 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 I mean, I think a lot of it is like trusting that people are professional enough that when they do their job that 
you know, they're going to give their opinion. And yeah, yeah, it's it's going to be based on, you know, on knowing people. But it's not like they're going to be like, hey, I'm going to give you like review A because of yeah. B. I mean, right. if, if, no, if, no, it's, it's just, yeah, p- people seem to think of these very kind of like directly mathematical and really kind of simple. Yeah, it's like. Yes, we have the term quid pro quo, but it's just it's because it's Latin and we sound smart when we say right. it. It's not really, <laughs> I do this, you do that. It's like, hey, I did that, and one day I will come a-calling. It's right. way more like Godfather exactly. than anything else. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like just being around certain circles and being around journalists who I really appreciate and liked and, and kind of grew up reading or listening to and personalities and stuff at E3 and at GDC and just seeing people kind of be in circles and kind of just talking and drinking and hanging out and shit, you would swear by the way that most people think about it that anytime someone says anything that is informative or someone buys someone a drink that the fucking SVU sound hits (laughs) and it's not like that at all it's totally not it's like one of those moments where like you know you hear the violins come in and say oh bad things are happening yeah right they're talking to each other oh shit he put a fedora on they're enjoying a moment (laughs) he put a fedora on oh shit it's starting it's totally not like that it's way more chill than any of that is which is which is kind of cool because you know we met through the show and prior to that through Mm -hmm. through through mutual friends and things like that and you know besides me being a huge fan of of everything that you've done you know getting to 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 be able to say hey adam is my friend now like i know adam and we can have a conversation about normal regular shit exactly it's way more easier than than all the other parts of people are just like well did did you guys talk about games all day i was like no yeah. Right, <laughs> like right. no, he has a life. That's, I have a life. Yeah. You do things it, 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 exactly. I mean, that's and it's funny because this was almost a problem that was at G four as well, where and this is what management in large media seems to think. You know, because X play were like, okay, we want to go to Comic Con, and then the G four execs were like, well, hold on, that's about the comic folks right. and the movies. Right. <laughs> and we're like, have you met someone who plays video games? So like, I'm only about video games. Right. No right. movies, no, right. no, no, no comic books, no nothing else. And, yeah, I think we just tend to think in these very regimented ways that, you know, I have to be, if I'm in box A, that's at the exclusion of everything else. Right, and, right. absolutely. And well, to be honest, to bring it back to some of the, the, the issues that have come up, that's why, and I know you guys are good about this too, it's like, yeah, that's why you have to look at a game in a larger cultural context. It doesn't exist in a vacuum. Right. That's very, it isn't made in a vacuum, and it can't be played in a vacuum either. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. It's, it's still yeah. weird to find folks that still can't wrap their brains around that one small, really not hard concept to figure <laughs> out. I know. Yeah, it's, gotta love the schools. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Uh, yeah. So, so Adam, um, in the eight months since uh, since since we you've spoken to us, especially in the last week or so, um, your name has been popping up on the interwebs pretty frequently what's been what's been going on okay so there's there's two big things that i have going on now well the, you know you guys let me know which one we want to chat about first so but they're both horror related right. which is completely awesome right one is about two years ago two actually two and more i got to shoot a horror movie with some friends of mine who are actually in the game industry uh you know it was my dream come true to get to be in a horror movie did that it's finally getting released nice. on vod and in theaters it's going to go to home video i think next week um and then also i had known about this for months and been talking to the guys and working a little bit with them 
But the announcement that the game once known as uh, Slasher Volume 1 Summer Camp is now the game it always implied, right. <laughs> Friday the 13th. And we're in the midst of one massive Kickstarter campaign. So, yeah, I'm, I'm all about the horror and the 80s and, and blood and the boobies and all that stuff. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, so the crazy thing was I'm on my Twitter feed and... I randomly see you in this blonde wig. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and the first thing I thought, I was like, holy shit, I think Adam is in a horror movie. <laughs> and I was like, because I, I saw the like small clip, and I was like, what the, what the, what the fuck is happening right now? <laughs> and then I kind of scrolled, I scrolled, I scrolled, I scrolled, and then I saw that you, were, that you were in this movie, and I was like, oh, this is going to be so dope. This is going to be so dope. So kind of talk about how all of this kind of came to fruition, how this all kind of started. Who, who, who went to who? Who decided that conversation needed to happen? So. Some of the key guys making this movie work at the studio Twisted Pixel out of Austin. Oh, yeah, and I've okay. known them for a while. Nice. And if you look at their games, they put more and more live action into it. Mm-hmm. I think they're starting to get kind of hit by that bug. And to be fair, they had worked, uh, as many young filmmakers do, they had gone through trauma. Right. And Lloyd Kaufman, oh. you know, like all that, yeah. Because mm-hmm. he's the guy, he's kind of like Roger Corman, and he kind of right. teaches you how to make films with no money and nothing. <laughs> right. And you have to get really creative. So, you know, they, I guess, had decided to do a horror movie. And as they were putting together, I'll talk about the character in a second. As they were looking at the screenplay, they're like, well, who, who should we get to play this character, Doug? And like, do you think Cecil would do it? And so they gave me a call. <laughs> I, I was at a Vietnamese restaurant here in the Tenderloin having some pho. Right. And I, I took the call, and they're like, hey, we're doing this horror movie. Would you be interested? And I said, do I die? <laughs> and, they gave, and they gave me an answer, and I was like, I'll do it. And they're like, okay, well, we'll send you the script. You can look it over. I'm like, no, I just told you I will we'll do, do it. it. Right, right. <laughs> yes, yes. So you, a million I am times, fulfilling yes. On a dream of right. mine for yes. so long. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, obviously, it's it is it is a horror movie to an extent, but it's really a horror comedy. Right. It's 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 a very very funny movie. I played Doug. He is the head counselor of Good Friends Church Camp. <laughs> because, you know, they were casting for type. Right. <laughs> it is the story of your life. It also involves, it pretty much involves pancakes, a betrayal around pancakes, and that creates a demon logger that is hunting all the counselors at Good Friends Church Camp over what I think, and this is kind of embarrassing. It shows you how much against type they cast me. Shrovetide? I don't even know if that's an actual religious holiday. <laughs> I have no idea. Roll, roll Tide? Okay, good. Shrove. That's H-R-O-V-E. It's something right around Easter. I have no idea. Anyway, so so he's just taking out the counselors. I play Doug. I'm the most oblivious of all the characters in it. I was given one piece of direction, and I said, how do you want me to do Doug? And they said, well, Doug, he really loves camp. <laughs> and so I came up with my mind. Okay, let, think of a man who pathologically loves camp, and I look significantly older than everybody else. Yes. Like I should have probably put this camping thing behind me years and years ago. But you know, I don't think I understand the world. Like I'm probably like juvenile, so so juvenile in my head that if I can hold on to camp, I can hold on to something that right. keeps me away from the adult world. Right. <laughs> Because there, there, there is a scene where I look through a window and I see another counselor who's pretty much completely naked. 
and you know obviously you know there's there's a reaction and instead of me looking really <laughs> excited i thought the best way to do doug is i'm about to cry <laughs> I, I have never wanted to see this or learn about it or understand it <laughs> so you so you basically you basically filmed my prom night right <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nicely done <laughs> Was it, was it was it David Tell? Right? Don't you want to go? Don't you want to go back and have sex with with someone you know you you, you knew when you were young? He's like, hey, look who's not crying now, yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> so so lumber lumberjack man the movie is what it's called, right? Lumberjack. No, it's man? just lumberjack man. Okay, it is lumberjack a- man. I usually have to qualify it with a movie or the movie because right. when you say Lumberjack Man, people are like, there's parts of the internet for you. Right, <laughs> right. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So, all right. So, it is, it is, it is, getting, it is getting a theatrical release. Right? A very limited exactly. theatrical release. It's going out with the eight films to die for, the After Dark Film Fest. Okay. Oh, nice. So, it is, if you go to their website, they detail all the cities it's in. Right. But I know as far as big cities, it's in Los Angeles, it's in Dallas, it's in Boston. Uh, and, and, and Chicago. Chicago, that's right. It's in Chicago. So those are the biggest markets I know it's in. Um, but it's also going to be on VOD. So if you just boot up tomorrow morning. Well, this is probably airing after right. that time. Anyway, if you boot up your Xbox or PS4 right now and you put in Lumberjack Man, or if you, you could probably even use Connect or the PlayStation Eye and say Lumberjack Man, it will not confuse it with anything else available. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing else on any other site. It's there to be seen. <laughs> But um, the, the funny thing is, and hopefully you guys will see it, is it's shot really, really well. Mm-hmm. Like it's, for as silly as it is, the quality of the effects and the gore and the way that it's shot, it's, it's kind of this fun tension where like, it's just like it looks too good for what is happening on screen. Wow. And, and, and not in that bad remake way we've been seeing with so many horror movies lately. Right. It's, it's, it's like, it, it's just, yeah. It, 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 it definitely works for me. And I probably, the first time I saw it, I was in a panic. And I was right. criticizing everything because I hadn't seen myself on screen that much before in my life. Right. So, it's... Right. So, so, so yeah, you, ahead, know, you know, because I'm a huge horror fan. And we, we've chatted about this online a We've chatted times, about this. Which is one of the reasons when we, when we both were like, wait a minute, you're a horror fan? I'm a horror fan? We were like, okay, we need, yep. to, we need to talk about this <laughs> right. when you come on the show. <laughs> so, so, like, the first thing, the first telltale sign that a person is a horror fan, and if they ever did get to be in a horror movie, the question that you ask is, am I going to die, to die in the movie? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I mean... Yeah. So when did you when did you become a horror fan? What what, what was like the, oh. the, the stuff that like put you onto horror in this way? I mean, I think it was when I was a kid. I think I just liked things that seemed scary. Mm. Not so much because I wanted to be scared, but I think I wanted the world to be a more exciting place. Mm. And so I would like there to be a kraken somewhere out there in the ocean because <laughs> that sounds cooler if you're on a boat than if you're just on a boat. Right, right. You know, right, like there's right, a squid right. out there. Right. And there was that, but, you know, up here in the Bay Area, there were two great local channels. And this is like the 70s, early 80s. There was Channel 2 that still exists, and there is another channel, Channel 44. And both of them, especially on Saturday afternoons, had creature features and monster movies. Yes. And be- 
And because it was that late 70s, early 80s, they also didn't really respect the FCC. And so they were broadcasting stuff in the middle of the day that probably you cannot get away with anymore. And th- that, that's what was available. Yeah. You know, there was no Disney Channel. There was nothing for kids. So you just had to kind of get interested in the farm report or, you know, the creature <laughs> from the Black Lagoon. Right. And, and one sounds a hell of a lot more interesting. And I think I just started to like horror that way. And then around the time of 11 or 12, I was like, yeah, I want to take that plunge and watch something like Halloween. Oh. And I had a slumber party with a bunch of friends over. And it was one of those kind of we're testing each other. Because mm-hmm. they were like the, those of us that just loved it and loved being scared, and those that were like, "I'm going in the other room and hiding in my sleeping bag," <laughs> <laughs> and it just kind of took off from there. I mean, it, it was to the point that the reason I married my wife was in large part because of horror movies. Really? Wow. Yeah. That when we first met, we were both English majors, but both of us had read an academic text called "Men, Women, and Chainsaws" by a woman named. Carol Clover and it's kind of a feminist reading of horror movies and not like as in there's something wrong with them it really started to analyze the significance of the the Madonna horror like all Mm. those notions of how women are represented in it and because it was just exciting to read to watch an academic actually analyze horror movies that deeply and both of us had read it and that's how we started to trust each other and you know that's how you make a friend yeah right yeah right yeah. <laughs> you, you don't ask them like hey you want to be my friends like hey have, have you read men women and chainsaws i have right. friendship started <laughs> right <laughs> that's usually the way it works that's the way it happens it's just weird small things that just kind of pop people together like that. yeah i know like i know i was one of those kids who unfortunately was watching all that stuff when i was super young i was watching stuff that was like way above my my brain grade if you want to say in that way yeah no i i i i completely but i think that's the cool part because don't you like it when like you didn't fully understand oh yeah and then you're like okay now i want to engage with it more to see if i can understand it yes yes it was a little bit it was a lot of that once you kind of then look back on it and say okay i wasn't ready for this but now that kind of wonder of like, oh, wow, that could totally be real. That could be something underneath my, my bed or in my closet or some of that stuff. I was lucky enough to have a scary-ass uncle, too, because my uncle used to scare the shit out of me. But he used to do it in the... Intentionally or oh, unintentionally? Oh, intentionally. <laughs> okay, good. So Unintentionally is way scarier, actually. Unintentionally <laughs> means that I would have needed therapy. That's a whole other conversation. It's, it was one of those things. Do you remember when, back in the day, first of all, anyone in this room remember house phones? Uh, yeah, well, we all remember yeah, house right? phones. Right, we're old enough to remember house phones. So he used to make the house phone ring inside of the house. There was a way that you could do that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, so he would do that. when a stranger calls. Yes. Yes. Oh. <laughs> So he would call, he would make the phone ring in the house, and then he would be like, hey, Kali, go pick up the phone, because, you know, I, mom's upstairs, and she, she's not going to go get the phone. Go get, pick up the phone. And it was right around the time that Nightmare on Elm Street came out. So, yeah, huh? So yeah. me and my short, chubby little ass who can't run is picking up the phone, and he would pick up the phone in the other end, and he would scream into the other line, it's Sammy. <laughs> now, mind you... I have no idea who the fuck Sammy is. Sammy is. Sammy, Sammy could have been the Con Ed man, for all I know. Or Davis, <laughs> Davis, Davis could have been Jr. the person who was like, hey, we're going to cut off your lights. But all Sammy, thing. to me, was Freddy's brother because I just watched Freddy. And he told me after all these conversations that Sammy was Freddy's brother and he was coming to get me. So he would do that. And then the kicker, the best part of it was like it would be around 10 o'clock at night. 
he would be watching me because he was the older older brother uh, person, uncle slash brother. Uh, and he would go and run up the stairs as quickly as he possibly could and cut off lights before I, before I can get oh, to the stairs. Oh, my God. Yes. So I was traumatized for years. And then that trauma wow. turned into love of horror movies because I'm weird. You so you, weird. you embraced your fears. I, you d- I became them. Batman. No, I was saying that's the story of Freddy to, to embrace it, man. So you uh, lived out an actual horror movie. Yes, uh, and you were basically yes. some version of the final girl, except you're a bald right. black yeah, man. Yeah, you're right, you're right. <laughs> basically, no, I, was, I was just saying that. And, you know, because I work in the fight, the thirteenth game, I saw one through nine in about a, a, a four day period. Oh my god! And one thing that you know, you're absolutely right. It is like, if if you have final girl status, you finally kind of commit. Like I can't run from this anymore. I have to turn and actually face it, and I have to encounter it. Mm-hmm. And it happens in various ways. You know, you, 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 you put on Mrs. Voorhees' sweater and you confuse Jason. But, yeah, I mean, there, there really is that, like, I, I, I got to confront this fear. And that's definitely true in Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, that whole, that whole series was about, you know, trying to figure out the smallest little insignificant thing that would really trigger you and then make you feel like you had to kind of fight that one thing. It was, oh, man, uh, the Wes Craven, man, jeez. Yeah, he was yeah. so good. Wes he was Craven so good. was so good. I mean, it's one of those things where you're just like, wow, you are a twisted motherfucker, man. <laughs> <laughs> like, Yeah, I mean, especially, like, you watch his first two movies, Last House on the Left yeah. and the original Hills Have Eyes. Right? Oh, those are messed up yeah, movies, right? Yeah. it's go- But it was so good because it was like all those weird – I mean, I, and I guess this, this kind of plays to – both uh, Lumberjack and also the uh, Friday the 13th series is you have in Lumberjack Man, you have this super kind of campy version of horror, right? You have the the comedic lens of horror. And then you had right. in Friday the 13th, you still had a, you had a lot of campy, but you also had that kind of uh, immovable force meeting that, that the immovable yeah. object yeah. thing where you can't get away. But if you do get away, you're not really getting away. <laughs> right. Exactly. I mean, I, mean I, I started thinking about it so much because of the game, but, okay, a, a lot of the 1970s stuff, Hills Have Eyes, Last right. House on the Left, Dawn of the Dead. Right. Mm-hmm. A, you know, the, 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 the common thinking, and I kind of agree with it, is a lot of that was in reaction to the Vietnam War. Yeah. Hmm. That the stuff that was suddenly on television, people are like, well, if that's what we now know we are capable of, then what's going to shock someone anymore? Right, and, like, right. and, and those, I think, are grimmer, dark, darker, far more psychological. Then you get to like Halloween, especially um, Friday the 13th, and they're very, very different sort of in tone. And that's where you start to see the sense or like that whole idea that people are being punished for their transgressions, sex, right, right. drugs. And I started to look at Jason as he's Ronald Reagan. <laughs> and, it's, and, it's, and, and it's not like I can't that, wait for this <laughs> that Reagan and, and, and the Reagan revolution that happened was in reaction to the loosening of social mores right. that started in the 60s and all the way through the 70s huh. and it's not that the movie is supporting that but that it's kind of documenting this inevitable 
pendulum uh, swinging back in the other direction of Nixon's silent majority finding itself a voice or something right. like that. Right. And and I and in that way I see something very different between the seventies horror movies and the eighties ones. But the seventies ones had to beget what finally happened in the eighties. Right. Yeah. Wow. That's a good point. Wow. That That's a amazing. really good point, actually. Ladies and gentlemen, first, you're Minister yeah. of Health. Look at that. <laughs> no, I think Jason would have brought the wall down a lot quicker than Reagan did, though. Right. Like, yeah. He just would have showed up. He just would have showed up. Yeah. Uh, just imagine every, every brain squished was a jelly bean. Right. <laughs> this is the way it worked in the real world. Yeah, I don't think Jason believed in the Star Wars idea. No. <laughs> There's no trickle down for right. Jason. There is no trickle down. <laughs> it did. It was just you hanging from a tree. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. The trickles with the blood coming off of you. Right. Uh, so oh let's, let's, let's talk about um, the Friday the 13th game. And, and, you know, we've been dancing around it for a second. I, I guess um, first kind of talk about what it is. And then to yes. kind of talk about Good. what... And, and thank you, because it's, it's actually a fairly complicated idea. Right. We're, we're using the term asymmetrical multiplayer, and understandably, there's nothing wrong with that. People are kind of saying, like, okay, let's look at Evolve, let's look at Spice vs. Mercs. Right. Mm-hmm. And to some extent, only on the most superficial level, because you have what looks like inequitable sides. Right. But this really is pushing it further, because A... It is inequitable. That is the entire point of it. Right. You know that you know with the spies and the mercs, they're different, but there is still a balancing out. Here, no, Jason is completely OP. That is the entire point of the game. Mm. He is very, very, very powerful, and you have one v seven. But then the seven isn't your normal seven. This game it does not. The, the the match isn't going to end by conflict. It can. But it doesn't have to. Mm. You do not want to take on Jason if you're a counselor. Right. Because the risk to reward is massive. You would probably have to use a lot of other people to support you, and that means you're all in one place. You also, to win, as a counselor, you yourself have to escape or make it through the night. Ah, right. uh, okay. Right. All of you don't have to make it through. It's all about <laughs> you at the end. <laughs> so yeah. now what I'm saying is this isn't so much 1v7. This is 1v1v1v1v1v1. <laughs> and there might be times where, because you're going to play different archetypes from you know, horror movies, especially Friday the 13th movies. So you're going to have one guy who might be better at fixing a car or a boat. You might have someone who's going to be better at melee. You might have someone who's going to be very fast at running. So there's reasons you might want to join up with some of them, maybe not all of them, but are you going to want to necessarily be with them for the duration of the match? Point in case, okay, let's say you get the guy who, who, you're, you're, you're with the guy who's really good at working on the boat. And you and some other people are getting the parts, giving it to him, and he's making that boat faster than anyone else could. Here's the problem. There's two seats on the boat. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. Dilemma. So that's why I I think what's going to be neat is just by playing it, and, and, you know, it's all player controlled, for the first time, I think you're really going to see a multiplayer game that is going to develop its organic sense of narrative. Mm. That it's not like you, you're all together all at the same time just trying to perfect the art of winning together. Right. It's, you're just, it's all, and it'll be just as fun to fail and watch what happens to everyone else. Right. 
because you 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 may want to play like you know what I'm 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 going to be with the guy who's really good at one thing but is really slow. You want to hang out with him because when Jason comes, you take off. I mean, there's there's so many fun opportunities about how this can play out. And as a result, that's why I think when we first said asymmetric, people just kind of assumed, oh, you're going to fight Jason. You do not have to fight Jason. You may never see Jason. You may never see some of the other counselors through the course of a match. It's really different. And that's why it's going to be fun to kind of see this thing through to fruition because it's trying to do things with games that common thinking would say you shouldn't do that with a game. Right, right, right. Yeah, right. It's, 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 it's really neat. Oh, my God. So see, be, having it explained that way changes the whole dynamic. Because we got a question from someone in the community, at uh, Matthew Schnell, too, on Twitter. He said, with, one, with only one setting, how do they plan on keeping the game fresh? And that sounds exactly like how you keep a game fresh. No, be, 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 because there's so many different ways that you can play the game. And, right. But um, with the same setting, and, and this is an interesting point, um, I don't know when the last time you guys watched Friday the 13th, and this kind of blew my mind when I realized it. Friday 1 through 4, they happen over three weeks. Oh. Mm, that's true. Right. right. Huh. I mean, Jason comes back. Right. Then he goes and kills more people. Right. Then he kills some more people. Then they think they kill him. He goes to the hospital. He gets out and he kills the rest of the people. Right. And then he allegedly <laughs> dies. <Right>. But <laughs> you know, and I think also everyone thinks it's taking place at Camp Crystal Lake. Uh. Camp Crystal Lake is a location on the larger geography of Crystal Lake. Oh. So you look at, because it's one, one and two are the only ones actually at a campground. They're the only ones with counselors. Huh. Then three is... Three is so horrible. And we got to talk about the way that they show gang members in three. Oh, right? my God. <laughs> <A little bit. laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, right. But um, so but three is a different location. It's kind of like, you know, where, where some people are going to go hang out. It's like a cabin. and It's got a barn. Four is even more residential of other people who have country homes. So you're, and then if you go all the way to seven, there's a houseboat with a dock and a pier. So what's it? So. Crystal Lake is much bigger. And so they had initially mapped out all of Crystal Lake, and that was the map. Oh. It turned out it was way too big. Right. Like, <laughs> it, it was not, people were not meeting up with one another, and right. it wasn't forcing some type of fun to happen. Right. So now you're going to have various maps that are iterations on Crystal Lake. Nice. So there will be some variety. There will be some unknown factors that are going to come into it throughout your playing. But you take the map variety, and once again, this is kind of a new concept, but you take the map variety and the weird ways that people can play it that are unlike any other multiplayer game, and you have, despite it always being Crystal Lake, a lot of dynamic ways in which you can play out. Also, um, there is more than one Jason. Ooh. Ooh. So that means yeah. we get SpaceX, Jason? Yes. Uh, the, 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 the only two that have been confirmed. Watch me being PR right now. <laughs> PR, PR, PR right the now. shit out of that one, Adam. Do it. Um, do it. So the most important is uh, we have, you know, because Kane Hodder is doing all the mocap for all the Jasons, oh, oh my God. We, have, we have number seven Jason. That's right. the first time that he comes out from the water and he's in that hyper zombified rotten state. Yes. The one that we really remember. Yes. The other one is uh, from number three, where he he first gets the hockey mask, okay. and that's called that's called Big Neck Jason because <laughs> there was a prosthetic on his back to kind of enlarge him. Yeah, they, they, they really having watched all the movies, they're so different from from movie to movie to movie. <laughs> so what? I can't get over the Big Neck Jason. Big Neck Jason. Yeah, the neck bone like, Jason. Man, you, 
for 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 a big killer, you you have a big ass neck. Yeah. Dude. yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm gonna change my name to Big Neck Stubbs. Yeah. <laughs> Reef, jump in there, Reef, real quick. Yeah. So, um, Adam, I'm really glad that you address games like Evolve and uh, those kind of asymmetrical games because that's definitely what I first thought of when I was reading about this mm-hmm. game. I thought I thought that that's what it was going to be. So I'm glad to hear th- that there's more to it. Um, yeah. My question is, and, you know, are there plans for the player that plays as Jason? I mean, I'm assuming that, like, you would have to have some kind of abilities to be able to yeah. track these uh, campers down, whether whether it's the infamous teleporting that Jason does or, <laughs> like, seeing through or sensing or, like, a or like whatever, is there anything that you're at liberty to, yes. to discuss on <laughs> So it's funny because I was thinking about the teleporting thing because I had just watched like J- Jason Takes Manhattan and it's so egregious in that one. Oh I was like, what the, what, what the fuck, dude? Like, you cannot do that. <laughs> so, that was 30 blocks. Um, but the, the term I think we're currently using is a notion of like, like, like blood sense. Uh, so yeah, here, here's one of the problems. And, and the thing is, Jason getting that power also solves an important problem for how the counselors are going to be played. So the, the way we're talking about it now is, well, here. Here's, if, if someone decides to hide underneath the bed, Jason does not bend down and look underneath the bed. That is not what happens in any horror movie whatsoever. Right. <laughs> he knows, and he puts the knife through the bed, and whoops, you know, right. you're dead. Right. So there will be a way that he can start to sense where people may be. It may not be always reliable. How it will become increasingly reliable for him is if you're not moving around. So if you decide that you want to go, like, I'm just going to go stay here, it will probably be easier for Jason to be able to find you. So it may be in your best interest to not stay in one place and to move around with some degree of frequency so he can get a sense of where you are within the map. Right. Oh, or he'll feel it in his neck. And then you'll be right. Yeah. Also, I'm hoping th- that there's a way to carry someone in a body bag while they're still alive, and then slam that body bag against a tree okay. or something. So you understand hey, that is the one thing that we were talking about. If there's so there's about nine hours, maybe seven hours worth of interview stuff I did with Tom Savini and Kane Hodder and all those guys, mm-hmm. and so I think we're gonna roll some of that out. All we were talking about was the sleeping bag kill. Yes, that's oh, great. And, but the thing is, I mean, it's, it's something that I'm going to have, I think a lot of us are going to talk about, because when you're playing the game, you're clearly playing the game with some degree of knowledge of how this works. Right. So if there's just a sleeping bag there, I mean, woes to the dumb motherfucker that's like, I'm going to get the sleeping bag. bag. Right. Yeah, that's a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I'm, so, I mean there's, there's things we need to deal with to figure out how to make that work. But, you know, trust me, <laughs> that sleeping bag kill is very high in people's minds. The, the funniest thing is Kane Hodder, when talking about that, how hard it was to shoot it. Because he had prosthetic hands. Oh. And to try to grip the latex, you know that really slick right. material that's most... And he said it was, it was so much harder than it, it, it looked to be able to get that shot to work. Wow. So, wow. so I'm glad you kind of touched on, uh, on Kane and Tom. So if anyone knows me and knows Adam, we had a really cool <laughs> moment <laughs> offline... Because the first thing I saw, I, we had talked about the the kind of um, announcement happening, and 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 you know setting up everything for the show, and then I saw the Kickstarter video, and the first thing I noticed, I was like, one, this is like really well shot. Two, who are all these people in the back 
of Adam right now, like huddled up in this yeah. corner, like it's hanging out at this looks like a, like a house or a country club. And then randomly, Tom Savini walks in. So if you're a horror fan, Tom Savini right. is like the master makeup artist who has done, gosh, Dawn of the Dead. Uh, freaking Friday Thirteenth. Uh, so many the Prowler. I mean, so many like right. so many like seminal horror movies. Where if you hear that name, you're like, holy shit! He's the dude with the crotch gun and from Dust Till Dawn. Yes, yes. Also, Crotch Gun Man. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> he actually has mentioned that he's still best known for that. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, oh that, yeah. That that hurts my heart to hear that. That cr- I know. That hurts I know. my heart. I mean, if and I assume. You did this, Khalif. If 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 you read Fangoria, yes. like, he was this he was the centerfold yes. of an right. issue of Fangoria. Right. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> like that's one of my bucket list things is to is to meet Tom Savini and tell him about that one scene in Dawn of the Dead where people ripped him apart. And then you see, yeah. like that whole thing about on the elevator and him getting ripped apart and and, and Bud and all that. It was Man, glorious. It was like amazing. Like it's like when people talk about uh, horror movie deaths, that's one of the deaths that people are like, that was a great fucking death. That yeah. was awesome. So so how was it to kind of meet all these people who I'm sure you and I fanboyed yeah. and everybody else in the horror world fanboyed about? How was that meeting? How was that kind of conversation and where that kind of comes from? I mean, that was great. First, let me just explain why they're on the game because this makes it all the more interesting is um, when it was summer camp, they had already brought on Kane Hodder and Tom Savini. They wanted Kane Hodder to do their invented enemy, and they had wanted Savini to help design the kills. Wow. And, 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 and of course, that's going to carry over to Friday the 13th. What Savini is adamant about is, despite this being a digital medium, he plans to design every kill to be something that he could replicate as a practical effect inside of a movie. To still give it that ground. They're not going to take advantage of physics. They're not going to take advantage of, you know, that's what he's so particular about. Mm. And I'm I'm not going to say any other names, but (laughs) in talking to him off camera, he would talk about other movies that we all know. He goes, that that doesn't work for me. That doesn't work for me. That doesn't work for me. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. But, um, Getting to meet him, I had met him once before, I knew he didn't remember me, but it's just like, oh my god, I mean, it, it really, like, I'm such a weird nerd when it comes to how I'm starstruck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, if it was George Clooney, I'm like, you're a very good-looking guy. Yep. Right. <laughs> when I see Tom Savini, I'm like, oh my god, I'm going to pee myself, he looked at me. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Same here. Same here. Right. It's Tom oh Savini. So, but, yeah, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, Adam. Oh, I was going to say, he's just such a nice guy, and what's really cool is he so loves what he does, right. even after yeah. all these years. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's, it's really, it's like you just, you just get near him, and it's infectious. It really is exciting. Nice. That's awesome. Nice. So, so uh, a couple of things about the game. The first, the first is, what is the incentive for someone to want to play as a camp counselor? Everyone's going to want to play as Jason. Um, See, actually, I want to play as a camp counselor. Okay. Mm-hmm. I am more excited. I mean, because, well, A, how many times have you watched a horror movie and you're like, what the F- fuck are right. you doing? Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Good, good point. Good point. <laughs> now it's a time like, well, let's find out. Right. And even, even in some discussions I've had with the guys working on the game, I'm like, oh, there are instances where you might go, hey, let's split up. Mm, you know, right, the, the, right. the cardinal sin. But right. there are times it's like, time is short. 
Right. Are we going to all stick together and just like get all of our asses kicked, or maybe we should split up and like you know, maybe have, one person have, have a roll of the dice? Right. I mean, to, to me, that is replicating also the fear and the fun. Sure. You know, yeah, you have fun watching Jason kill people, but, you know, you don't identify with Jason. You, you no. do. On, it's hard to identify with a lot of the counselors because, you know, they, 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 they aren't the most robust characterizations. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But that's where your imagination goes. What would I do in that situation? Sure. How would I handle it differently? Sure. And I think in terms of you're, you're not going to be that scared if you're playing as Jason. Right. No. You're going to be scared. If you're playing as the camp counselor, and, and for you know, it's funny. I'm so much more excited about the counselors than I am Jason. Not not that I'm not excited about Jason, but that's how I always picture myself playing the game. Right. <laughs> so now, how how long are the is a, is a game session supposed to last? You know, I, you know, it's through the night. Uh, the the session begins basically after everyone has discovered that Jason exists, uh, that he's a yes. real threat. And now you've got to make it through the night to sun, you know, right. to sunlight. So that is what is being worked out right now. Okay. You know, in, in terms of who those characters are for the counselors and for Jason, what the skills are going to be. But there will be evolving skills, so sure. it's going to reward you for playing r- repeatedly. Okay. All of that is there. But as, as I kind of explained before, it's tough enough for more traditionally symmetrical. Like right. this is where. Testing, iterating, testing, and iterating. That's really going to help determine what is the fun length. You know, do you just let it go forever, or is there clearly a dawn that everyone knows is going to be arriving? I mean, those are all the questions that once we get through our Kickstarter, that you know, the the uh, the the, the funding is going to allow for all of these questions (laughs) to be answered. Totally. Totally. So, so speaking of the Kickstarter, uh, so it's been up. Gosh, and for how long? Like since since what? What we're Tuesday. taping on th- for two days at this point. Uh, uh-huh. Since we've been since we uh, are taping on a Thursday, it started on a Tuesday. You have a seven hundred grand goal, and in that time, it's amassed three hundred sixty three plus thousand dollars already. Yeah, I mean it's it's it, it was amazing. So much happened on the first day; it was incredible, and. I got to say, it's so scary because then you start to see it slow down. Right, so, right, yes, right. I am, I am here to beg of anyone listening to Spawn right. on me. If, if you have five bucks and you can spare it, that is wonderful. Like, we, you know, we're not looking for $100 donations from everyone, you know, just a little bit. But even, it's fine if you don't have anything. But um, if you could just get the word out about it, you know, go find, you know, just, just go on the Twitters and the Facebooks. And, you know, maybe there's one guy who has that money to spare um, <laughs> because, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's the, the reaction was incredible. I was so nervous. I didn't sleep the night before as I was up in the morning trying to just like type out, I, I, my hands were shaking as I was on Twitter trying to explain what it was. Mm. Cause I'm like, once I do this, there's no going back. Right, right, right. <laughs> I have no right. idea what's going to happen. Right. And the reaction was so, so, so fun and made me so happy. Well, it's, you it's, know, I mean, go ahead, yeah, yeah, so, I mean, the thing, the thing is, you know, we've played games that are cooperative, like Left 4 Dead, um, that, you know, really play up the horror genre. Um, and then, uh, obviously, last year's Evolve really kind of evoked lots of those horror type of elements where you know you you grab a team you're out to get the big baddie and that kind of stuff but but you know essentially what we've all kind of been dancing around is the fact that we we wanted something with a legitimate license with 
uh, a Jason at the helm, a Friday the Thirteenth type yeah. of game where we could actually play out and live out those those fantasies of our youths, so, or you know, or 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 adolescence as as it were, if if you're uh, long in the tooth like us. Um, <laughs> but so no, no, no. But you're right. You're you're right. There's there, there's two things. It, it, obviously, I I I love all of it, and I, I like a lot of that. But usually, when you're playing horror games, maybe you know you can find a couple like a Fatal Frame. But um, it's, it's that you, you still have the power to beat the bad guy. Exactly. Yes. Yes. This, you really don't. Right. And you're made painfully aware of how much you have to scramble and, you know, figure out, like, that's why it's, it's, it's really more about survival in the most straightforward way than it is about combat. But, but, but to your point, bringing in the Friday the 13th license Everyone knows it is such a recognizable license. Yes. It's like it's like the Playboy license. Right. It's it's like Mickey Mouse. Right. It is. Right. It's one of those things like you know what it means. Mm-hmm. And it, it really had just dawned on me about the past forty eight hours. The brilliance of the hockey mask is its color, right? Because it's white, right? And so in the evening, yes. with only a little bit of light. You can get that one flash, and you know there's something bad coming your way. You don't need to illuminate the entire body and the entire form. But because we all understand the significance of that hockey mask, it just means fear that much quickly, that that much more quick to the player that they are in a ridiculous amount of trouble if he suddenly shows up where you are. Yeah, it's 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 such a such an amazing kind of like. It's one of those weird things. Like when you think about horror itself, there are so many iconic things that just seeing those alone, mm-hmm. yeah. even detached from the actual villain, yeah, still bring about that fear. It's like the glove mm-hmm. for Freddy. You know, it's like the right. mask for Jason. So right. it's like seeing how they're going to, to, to really pull on that is going to be something that I'm so excited for because it's just going to make that even more scary. Yeah, yeah. And, I th- and I think had they gone, and I don't think Summer Camp would have been a bad game by any stretch right. of the imagination, right. but you need to then prove to the player that this bad guy is that scary. Exactly, exactly. This just kind of, it doesn't just solve the problem, it just reinforces it with a decade's worth of popular imagination. Right, right. Now, so, so, I mean, you know, you kind of danced around it. I think this, the story of getting the license Oh um, yeah, for, yeah. For, for for gun for gun media and Elphonic. Um I, I guess I kinda wanna talk about that, like how they got the license, but also I want to talk about how you got connected with all of this stuff because you're Which you're, is fair. Right, because you're cause you're not coding, you know, you're not sitting back there <laughs> sitting with, Thank with the guys. I'm not coding. I'm like, <laughs> coding. Please do this, computer program. <laughs> Compile. Enter. Right. How do you oh. get the flip flops and the widgets? <laughs> I mean you guys are trying to walk me through recording the audio right. on this. It's like <laughs> I I cannot even begin to tell you how many people think because I work with games, they're like, he's one of them tech experts. I'm like, man, I can't get my pants on. (laughs) Like, it takes two or three tries to get both legs through correctly. And there's, like, not socks at the bottom of the leg, like, blocking the exit. Um, But, yeah, it's it's, – so I'll I'll start with with the story of of how they got the license because it really is – one of like the best shaggy dog stories out there. So they were working on, on, on Slasher Volume 1 Summer Camp. And 
Everything about that game implied Friday the 13th right up to the point where it became a legal issue. Right, 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 right. <laughs> but they had brought on, as I mentioned earlier, Tom Savini and Kane Hodder for summer camp. Right. Mm. And so they um, – and – I'm sorry. He's also working on the game, and I should have mentioned this. Harry Manfredini. Yes. Oh, he, oh, he, yes. he makes the music. Right. Yes. God, 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 yeah. God, God, right. God. That's – yeah, so – they're all already working on it, and I don't know if they were at a convention or by virtue of them chatting, Sean S. Cunningham, the director of the first Friday the 13th and the owner of the license, got wind. They're like, hey, you need to check out this game. And he took a look at the game. And, you know, we haven't had a Friday the 13th game since, Gosh, is that, 89? No. Yeah, 89. And he's like, yeah, I've been sitting for this license to see the game that actually deserves it. That's the game that deserves it. Wow. And so he, he awesome. gave it to them without a fee. Wow. 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 What? So that's, that's why we've gone to the Kickstarter right. is they were funded for summer camp, you know, for, for that game. Right. You suddenly get this license and the legions of fans right. behind it. Right. There has to be more money to make sure that they can create Crystal Lake, they can do Jason Wright, and they can live up to everyone's expectations. Yeah. When we in, did, did the announce... You know, in the image that we put out there, I had two people who immediately goes, that's number three. That's Friday the 13th Part 3 because the hockey mask, I think, in that one doesn't have the crack in it yet, which is what happens right. at the end of three. Right. You know, you know, all of those. I mean, we are fastidious mm. about those details because we love it just as much as everyone else, right. and we don't want to disappoint people. That is going to take more money. So it's not like we just came up with an idea, got the license to say, hey, right. can you help me? Right. It's like, hold on, we are in one of the most remarkable situations. It's like that Mark Wahlberg movie about the guy in real life who was in a Judas Priest cover band and then oh, yeah. got to become the... It's, <laughs> right. It really is that kind of an oddball story that's just completely beautiful and wonderful and absolutely terrifying. Because right. <laughs> it's one of those so, weird things where you don't want to make Mason the 14th. It's like, hey, look at our, look at that guy, Mason. Right, right, yeah. right. <laughs> He's coming. I'm going to kill all of you. Yeah, or it's, 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 it's Bobby. Right, right. <laughs> it's Sammy. 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 <laughs> so, so the crazy thing about um, meeting up with Gun Media and Ilphonic, so I have, I have my, own, my own story about Ilphonic that I have been trying to track down forever. And I hope and pray that one day on my bucket list, I will get to make this come true, is that most people don't know that Ilphonic was co-created by uh, Raphael Sadiq. Raphael Sadiq. Yes. Of Tony, Tony, Tony. Yes. So I have been Wait, trying to. I don't even know this. Oh, yes. yes. It's on the kickstart. <laughs> we, we do it again. We yes. do it again. Yes. We're two for we're two. spoiling. Wow. So I didn't two. know this until our, our friend Jeff Gersman, <laughs> he brought that up one day. And I looked it up and I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. Raphael Sadiq made a yeah. game studio. Yep. Who knew? That that was a play like Star Citizen brought to you by Raphael Sadiq. Yeah. <laughs> you were born not to know. So I now am hoping that there will be a Raphael Sadiq skin for, for Jason. <laughs> I will now pass this along. <laughs> that is so funny. I just want to. I just want someone to get stabbed midway through. Right. It's your anniversary. Right. You know right. I mean? <laughs> Lay your head on my pillow. <laughs> so I can. Oh, you guys are bringing back so many memories. Like, I don't know the last time I thought about Tony, Tony, Tony. I'm just saying, now now there is this touchstone there where yeah. you know, there may There's be a, a Tony, Tony version of the Friday the 13th right. 
Uh, <laughs> I mean, so I've sorry. I've thought about silk more recently than I thought about. <laughs> oh oh wow! Wow! <laughs> Holy shit! Now I'm even thinking about silk. <laughs> Come, on, remember that song? I'm gonna lick you up and down right. until you say stop. Oh. And it's like that's not how it works, motherfucker. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that sounds really creepy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care how much silk you got flowing off <laughs> your back right now. That's really malevolent sounding. <laughs> Two things, two things you don't say to random people in the street is, hey, you want to be my friend? And hey, I want to look you up and down. So you <laughs> yeah. Things to not establish relationships. Right, yeah. Don't oh say this. R&B, R&B singers of the early 90s were, were kind of weird. Um, you know, one of the, the biggest crooners of the time was Keith Sweat. Um, Keith, yeah. Keith Sweat had a song called uh, Make, you, Make You Sweat where the, the, the lyrics in the hook were, I say, uh, you say no. I say yes. Girl, I bet I could make you sweat. That sounds like rape to me. I mean. Who's <laughs> like, making me sweat? Right. Like, right. No. Yeah. We, had, we had, a, had an interesting conversation or, or I was a part of an interesting conversation on Twitter this week with uh, Feminista Jones, who if you know, if you know her work, you know she's a, an advocate for uh, women's rights and, and, lots of other, and lots of other aspects on that pivot. And we were talking about how R&B songs back in the day had nuance, and now they just don't. Right. <laughs> even mm-hmm. in that, even in that <laughs> comparison of Keep Sweat and Silk and the rest of them, that is even more tame now than it was. To, I mean, tame then than it is now. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is has, oh, has, has, has it really gotten that bad? Oh yeah, I, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I listen to far less music now than it's. Yeah. It's not. It's oh, it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's not even. It's not even. Uh, lyrics at this point, it's like random. It's like ransom notes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, it's seri- it seriously is ad libs. It seriously is ad libs. It's you know, it's it's random words and then an adjective that may or may fi- may or may not fit what's going on. Um, but you know, I mean, there was a time like as, as, you know, every generation as they as they move forward, um, people get a little bit more risque with their with their lyrics. Um, you know, the, I mean, there was a there was a song by. Uh, Evelyn Champagne King back in the early 80s called Love Come Down. You make my love right. come down. Right, right. And, you know, and then, you know, as we move forward into Silk, we're going to lick you up and down until you say stop. And now, you know, and now people are just saying, I, I want to fuck you. You know, I mean, it's just, yeah. it's just like, <laughs> basically. Right. Like, yeah. I, I don't that have track. Time. It's right. one, two, three, four. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Radio edit five, right. six, seven, eight. Right. <laughs> well, we, I, mean, I, I think what's even more shocking is like you go back to the 70s, you listen to like people. Peaches and cream, or something like right. that. It's like, I mean, I just, I, 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 I actually don't want to hear them, you know, l- listen to what's available now or what right. you know was around when our youth. Because like, I don't want. It's just, it is kind of amazing. It's, it's, it's the the, the way it evolves, mm-hmm. right? With, with with quotes around evolve, right? Right. Um, <laughs> 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 right. Oh no! Yeah, we all know who the monster is in that game. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's oh, my the goodness. schools. The, oh my the god! The call is so, coming from inside the house. <laughs> Sammy, I forgot to make that whole story way worse. Right. Sammy, oh, listen to the song. You know, I, I think actually, my, I think it was R. Kelly's. You remind me of my Jeep. Yes. And that's when my buddy Ross. Showed it to me. He let, let me listen to it for the first time. And I was like, oh, that's really funny. And he goes, what, what do you mean funny? Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. He's like, no, like, he's like, no, this is what okay. I say. 
I'm gonna sit in the other room now and just try to digest everything. <laughs> I mean, I mean, the, the crazy thing was like we talk about innuendo, right, in R&B music and in hip hop music. I remember when I was in, I think, junior high school or beginning of high school. I mean, I can't remember times that well. And I remember when Pink Cookies in a Plastic Bag came yeah, out. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, I like I, you know, my yeah. my virgin self was like. Oh, he's talking about animal crackers, and he was right. like, not talking about that. Well, animal oh, okay. The, the, the one I remember is because I was in high school at the time. Tone Loke when he did Chiba Chiba. Oh wow! No, nobody was rapping about pot. Right, right. And it was like, did he just do that? Right. <laughs> and Ooh. It, yeah, it, 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 it just—it it was such a weird time where, like, you know, you were having the slow emergence of gangster rap. Right. You know, obviously with Tone Loke, you know. Everything that had sexual innuendo, but we're like, whoa, pot? Whoa, that's, whoa, we're, this is uncharted territory. Right. <laughs> like, this is risque. My God. Like, it's such a, it's such a, I think we were born in the best time when it comes to both tech and music. Yeah. In lots yeah. of ways where yeah. we saw this huge evolution of mm-hmm. how things have gotten better and worse and better and worse and better and worse. It's been this, like, really interesting kind of needle that's gone. In, no, in I mean, I, 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 yeah, I definitely miss those days with music because it it was really fun to discover stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, and, and half the time at my high school, like someone would just come up with their truck or their van and you just start buying the demo tapes. That's how I bought MC Hammer. I don't know if I told you that on the last no, show. No. Yeah. I mean, that's because he was, he was Oakland and right. I was over in like R- R- Richmond, El Cerrito and he came by and it was, ah, God, I don't even remember what that first album was called. Uh, the, with the really good songs on it. Please hammer, don't hurt him. Was that the, with the first one? Was please hammer, don't hurt him. Yeah. I thought that was the second one that went so big. Yeah, yeah and then it was like, this is really cool. I mean, too short. I, I bought his demo tapes out of the back of his truck, wow. and you know, or you would you knew which record stores to go into where it was all in consignment. That was nice. the section you would go to mm-hmm. to find all the local talent. Right. It was like, oh, cool! I found something really, really uh, neat. I just, I, I kind of wish that some young people had that experience where, like, you actually had to put some like effort into like, <laughs> elbow grease into the process <laughs> of trying to find this stuff. Oh my gosh, <laughs> Reef! I know you had a question. Oh, I, 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 well, I kind of wanted to continue the music, but. But um yeah, no, I I, I did have another question on, on the game. It's it's the gaming podcast. Um on 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 the game. So so I know I was asking a little bit about before how Jason senses the counselors. So one thing I really like about a lot of games now is sort of the different chatter that the actual characters have in the game. Like I know th- that we brought up um, Left for Dead, and I love yeah. h- how the characters are constantly talking to each other, calling out things in the environments, saying jokes. Do you know if that's something that they're looking to incorporate with the counselors in this? Well, I mean, the, I can't be definitive on that because communication, like through a headset, may prove to be very, very essential for the counselors if you're working together in proximity. But there obviously has to be things that Jason could overhear, because you have, you know you 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 want to be stealthy <laughs> and, right, and, right. and not making too much of a mess of yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, that would be you know like I said, I can't be definitive, and that's one of those things which obviously you know, everyone who's working on the team is painfully familiar with Left for Dead, and that was 
It's funny, back on X-Play, I know that a lot of us almost wanted that to get the game to get best writing for the year. <laughs> Even though it's all kind of throwaway ambient dialogue, right. it was just so good. Yeah. And it really added so much to that game. So, no, that, 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 that's something I'm, I'm, I, I can't give you a direct answer on. And I think it's probably going to have to be weighing the value of allowing proper communication between players on one side versus kind of having that aspect of it coming out as well. I would like to think that, you know, if someone dies, you're going to hear it. <laughs> yes, I'm hoping. I'm hoping so. I'm hoping so. Um, so so something, that else, something else that we are going to hear is some well, music. Well, before, before we hear music, I've got two things that I want to say. One, one about the game. Um, you know, so that way we can we can let people know. Obviously, the Kickstarter is Kickstarter is going, um, but there there is an intention to actually bring this game to consoles. Correct? Yes. I mean, the goal is PC, PS4, Xbox One. Okay. So um, yeah, and, and also you know, and some, some people have asked this. Uh, the, the, what we're aiming for right now is also a price point of thirty dollars. Oh wow! Oh, wow. wow, that's great. So yeah, I mean, I, I think you know, I, I realized I had to go talk to the guys. I'm like, can I talk about this or not? And they said yes, um, because you know, there's like, well, hold on, where's the single player? Single player is something that is part of the stretch goals. It's the ultimate stretch goal. Okay. Mm. And the, you know, and I'm not saying campaign by any stretch of the imagination, but something that will be single player because. Think about it for a second. Trying to program AI for Jason is not easy. Right. Because even though you might think he's just kind of this 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 monolith you know, that isn't terribly bright or strategic, he is. Right. In that weird, you know, kind of way that so and that's obviously something that is currently not being developed for the game because it's all player controlled. Um, oh, two cool things though. The other two really good stretch goals, we hit a certain point. You get Pamela Voorhees. Oh, nice. oh wow! And then in another one, Tommy Jarvis. Oh wow. shit! Yeah. So there really is some serious incentive to go past our seven hundred thousand dollar goal okay. because, I mean, think about it, it Mrs. Voorhees. Oh, right. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Damn it! You guys are gonna have right. me out on a goddamn pole trying to get money for this game. Right. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm planning to be working on it. I'm giving money to right. it. So. Oh my goodness! This is working for Jason. Nuts. It's working for Jason. It's gonna be nuts. Oh so, my god. So all right, Adam. So here's my other question before we go into our music break, and I'll let you uh-huh. perfectly segue from this car because I'm I'm beautiful like that. Um, so I know that you like horror movies. And you like mm-hmm. comedic movies. Um, have you seen one of the scariest yet funniest movies ever created? Um, you reminded me of it as you were talking about this. R. Kelly's Trapped in the Closet. Have you seen the R. Oh, R. Yeah. R. Kelly's Trapped in the Closet DVD? Not the actual... Okay, no. I haven't, right. I haven't done the DVD. So we'll, we'll do this off cast. I will send you a copy. Okay. Of this, I know. I, I know this is one of those things that like I haven't done in life. Right. And I thought, you know, I need to save something for retirement. Right. Like, <laughs> reading Moby Dick. Right. And in the closet. Right. That's that's kind of what I thought. So <laughs> I'm I'm happy to preempt my right, my, your, your you know, retirement, retirement yes. activities. So <laughs> I am pra- I am praying to every atheist god that is in my being. <laughs> that that does never that never gets to the Library of Congress. So so I mean it's got to be there. Already. It's got to be there already. But hold on, have you heard what has made it to the Library of Congress? So many weird, crazy things. Yes. Well, no, the most notorious movie that no one has ever seen, Jerry Lewis's "The Day the Clown Cried." What? what? Yeah. 
oh. back in like 1980, he directed this weird Holocaust movie. He directed himself in it where he played a clown entertaining the children in a concentration oh, camp. What? Oh my God. What? Culminating, I think, in him having to lead the kids to be gassed, and then he joins in himself. Jeez. What? what kind Apparently, of... it is the worst movie ever made, and he has gone to great lengths to keep any human being from seeing it. And only, like, Paul, uh, Paul Shearer, uh-huh. what's-his-face from Spinal Tap, claims to have seen it. It's like, it's one of those things that goes around Hollywood. Oh, where shit. Where it's like, it's like, it's more valuable than a kilo of cocaine. Right. It's like, no, I got a copy. Do you want to come over? <laughs> But that, you know, it gets to go into the Library of Congress and will be viewed after Jerry Lewis's death. Whoa, what oh, kind my of, God. Is, yeah. What kind of springtime for Hitler bullshit is that? I mean, geez. I know, it's so <laughs> weird. <laughs> and I mean, no. the thing is, is that it's not a comedy or anything. Right. He thought it was going to be this kind of like this majestic work that was slightly absurdist. And it's just like, <laughs> no, dude, you don't get to do that. Oh, next, up on the, next up on the Jerry Lewis telethon, right. we're going to watch this <laughs> so oh, so r kelly's trapped in the closet is you know for all of you everyone in Chicago, if you if this is required viewing not the actual 12 just you just have to get chapters 1 through 12 uh not the actual 1 through 12 part but there is a commentary track that is done it's a video commentary track where r kelly is sitting in his viewing room in a smoking jacket with a cigar and a glass of cognac watching uh, Trapped in the Closet. And every now and then he will turn over his shoulder and look at you in the camera, break the fourth wall and talk about how brilliant he is (laughs) as he explains the things that are happening on in Trapped in the Closet. It is, it is, it is the most amazing thing you have ever seen. I, that was the scariest. That was like every horror movie that we've ever seen on the list. (laughs) Turn down the lights, turn down the lights, put your headphones on and watch Trapped in the Cloud. How long does it last? Uh, It's, it's maybe 45 minutes an hour. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So yeah, because that sounds like one of those horror movies where like I don't understand what's happening. I don't know how long, how much time. Right. Has right. It's not Das Boot. How much more there is for me to wait? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. It's not Das Boot. You know. It's just, it's, oh my just, God. It's just is is just R. Kelly explaining for, to you how brilliant he is. In case you didn't know. First of all, I just want to say really quickly. That's disgusting. Two, you're a liar, see, because there's no way to fucking transition from that to from that yeah, crazy mean, shit. You can talk about great music. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, 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 you know, your music choices are a little bit more scary than mine. So there you go. So someone who will be in the closet in the next half of the show is Cicero Holmes. And before before we transition uh, to our music break. I don't even know what to do about that. That's still in my head. (laughs) We're going to hit you all with a dope music break. We'll be right back after this.
Welcome back, everybody. This is episode 82 of the Spawn of Me podcast. That joint you just heard has all the Halloween, all the scary flavor that you could possibly think of. From the artist Pretty Lights, we have the Halloween Fun Time remix monstrous mashup that we have uh that is a dope kind of instrumental that mixes a lot of edm and also some halloween theme music from the halloween theme movie i'm sorry from the halloween movie um we are here with adam sessler he's rocking out with us uh we are having a ridiculous amount of fun um and we're gonna come back and kind of talk a little bit more about lumberjack man because uh we we went over a little bit about what it was and and how 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 uh, you got involved with it but I kind of want to dig back into just the kind of process of being in your first horror movie. How was how was <laughs> that? How how does that feel to kind of go through that process and have that experience? It was it was it was fun. The 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 earlier shots, if my memory is right, that I didn't get to do a proper horror scene for a couple of days. It was more kind of you know what, what happens before establishing the stuff. Um, and when we finally got to do, it's in you, you see some of it in the trailer where we're in the big mess hall and all of us are having pancakes because pancakes are central to everything about this movie. <laughs> and I got to watch them do one of the kill scenes and the lumberjack man comes in through the, 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 the wall. And you know, it's funny because you have to act scared, <laughs> but you're shooting it multiple times and you're like, you're only shooting a very you know, sh- short moment. But right. The, the, the outfit, the guy who plays Lumberjack Man, he's quite tall, and it's a really cool, bizarre outfit where his mask is kind of made out of wood, and his hair looks like he's been in shrubbery for a long, long time. <laughs> and it was imposing enough that it was easier for me to actually act scared, although when you see it, the way that I act scared is more for your amusement than anything else. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, but, I, I was absolutely going to ask about that as well. Is like, how difficult is it to act like you're terrified? Um, because my character is such an insipid idiot that it was, you know, he's he, he's in love with his clipboard. If you watch the movie, my clipboard never change, it never goes away. It's always <laughs> underneath my arm, so I kind of like can only use one arm. And when I run, I have to run with that clipboard. <laughs> so it was yeah it was, once again it was like what is it for someone to be scared who's really not all there right. <laughs> <laughs> so, wait, so wait a minute so you you played this character before adam there was so there was a if if for for people that are x-play nerds such as me um in episode eight season three um you there was a zombie episode where you're like or, yeah. or there was a zombie vignette and you're running away from the zombies yep, yep, but yep. you're like a super idiot and then you trip and you fall but it turns out like they pan down to your feet and you're wearing high heel shoes yeah i know like, oh my god that's so funny <laughs> <laughs> I, yes i know that one so that is a character that i would call idiot adam right. and this character is an even more devolved version of that oh my god oh my goodness devolved <laughs> Idiot Adam. <laughs> but no, I mean, if you definitely if you watch a lot of the X Play sketches, you'll see that I'm pulling from some of that. But right. it's kind of the the ultimate version of it. Um, so in terms of me, I don't think I ever convey legitimate fear. I'm just I I, 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 I wanted to make people laugh, and you know, there's there's nothing about Doug that makes him terribly likable. Um, he's just he's he's like he's, you can tell that he's a very tightly wound individual 
And it's, um, I, mean, I cannot wait for you guys to see it because this will all make absolute sense. But I mean, what was fun was getting to do a lot of the effect shots and watching kind of just how elaborate they got to be. And, you know, there's because the, the movie looks really good. It's shot really well. Mm -hmm. And some of the, you know, I, I was talking to some other guys doing some interviews and they're like, that, that was just such an impressive bit. How you, you know, there's a bit with a banana. That's like, how did you do that? And watching it, you would think that it's like all CG and really, really complex. No, it was far more inventive and crude than that, but it looks so sophisticated. Nice. nice. That, yeah. Lastly, I guess I, I, I didn't I didn't notice this until super late, and I'm not sure why I didn't notice this, but Michael Madsen is in the movie yeah. as well. Yeah. Yep. Michael Madsen. He plays Dr. Peter Shirtcliffe. How cool is that to <laughs> hang out with him? It was, um, he is, he, I mean, it, it was neat, because I heard him before I saw him, and I was like, oh, that's Mr. Blonde. <laughs> uh, he's just, he's just that, it's just that voice. Right. And, no, he, he was a lot of fun. He doesn't do comedies. And, you know, the story is that he wasn't 100% that he was going to feel comfortable doing this movie. And because he's not used to doing comedy, it makes him so funny and nice that's that awesome. he, it's just, nice. and he goes off script like everybody in this movie <laughs> and, <laughs> but we we had one scene and i, I do like to t sometimes stay in character even if the camera's not on me right because i like to kind of memorize where what what my movements are so that just when they edit it all together there's a sense of consistency but uh, he's trying to give it a speech he's he's the guy who knows all the horrible things that are going on he's trying to explain it to us and so i'm just doing my my doug faces which is just like ooh, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> and he just stopped his eye, and he's like, I can't fucking deal with this guy looking like an idiot. Me all the time. <laughs> but yeah, he's great. I mean, there, there's actually, uh, I'm going to pronounce her name wrong, and I feel so bad. I never had a scene with her, but Brina Palencia, she's actually well known for doing a lot of VO work for anime. Ah, so, and okay. you know, there's there's a lot of oh. interesting people that are peppered throughout the movie. And uh, you guys have in the movie, uh, shit, I, why can't I think of his name? Sabat, Chris Sabat. Yes, yes, who yes, Chris is, Sabat. Yeah. Who is, if you're a Dragon Ball Z fan, mm -hmm. is everybody in Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> so it was it was, it was, it was, it was it was shot out in Austin, and they use a lot of like Austin talent. Nice. Um, and they're all part of this fun community. And you know, I mean, the one thing is, I, just, I have not had that much professional fun ever. It was just like a really fun set to wow. be on. And it was weird because I was mainly with the kids playing the counselor. So I was so old compared <laughs> to everybody else. <laughs> and I overheard them referring to Nirvana as classic rock. Classic oh, rock. Oh, no. I, 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 I kind of held court and explained and told them the story of the day that I went down to the store with my buddies at UCLA. I just started college. And we went into the record store. And this guy's like, hey, we got this new album. It came in today called Nevermind from a band called Nirvana. Right. right. They're like, all right, we'll go check it out. And, and, I, and I realized that I was the way that they were regarding my story is the way that I regarded some of my parents' friends when they would tell me things about the 60s. And I know that when I heard those stories, it was like they were telling me a tale from the Paleolithic. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> and they were looking at me like, oh, wow, it's been so interesting 30 years ago. <laughs> Back when the world was in standard definition. Because <laughs> I, th I, th I think some of the guys who played the counselors like, didn't even know about Reservoir Dogs. 
Get oh, what? Oh, man. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's, uh, oh, man, bro. To, <laughs> it's, it's just amazing. Like, just the small things that really age you yeah. rather than the big. Like, you know, my knees hurt. That should make me feel like I'm right. really old. Right. Oh, no. It's right. explaining Nirvana to a bunch of 19-year-olds. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, man, I listened to that when I – oh, man, did you see that movie on Blu-ray? I, I mean, oh, right. gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh! Oh man, yeah, we yeah we're old, yeah, yeah. but I appreciate we, our oldness. We, we, our oldness is what old. is what gives us the strength to keep going. Right, <laughs> I, I keep on telling myself there's some wisdom around there somewhere right. in my age. <laughs> I think I lost my wisdom when I lost my hair. It's all gone at right. the same time. <laughs> Um, um, we have some, we, we reached out last so, week. Well, before we, before we go there, I just want to, you know, finish, finish plugging Lumberjack Man and, and say that, uh, it will like, like, uh, Adam said, available on pre for pre-order or, or available for order on Amazon. Um, but if you guys are in, uh, the Los Angeles, Jacksonville, Dallas, Chicago, Cleveland, Denver, Phoenix, San Fran, Minneapolis, Boston, or Detroit areas. Uh, you can go see it on the big screen like it was intended to be seen. Uh, go to 8filmstodiefor.com. And, and um, uh, there, there, there's one qualification there where it says San Francisco. Yes. That's actually Modesto. Yes. Well, even Chicago it, is South Barrington. So. Oh, it is. Yeah, okay. So yeah, it's not yeah, there, there, really in Chicago. There's but. definitely some, 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 some fudging. Right, right, right. It's, you know. <laughs> It's those areas. If you're in those areas, go to the website definitely and check check that stuff mm-hmm. out. Um, and then you can find out what theaters in your area uh, will have the films. So and uh, and in terms of VOD, as far as I know, it is more than just Amazon. Like you don't just need Amazon. That it is. So if you have a Roku box, a PS4, an Xbox One, or one of those things where you can just kind of rent or buy a movie, um, it should be there. Uh, it should already be there now by the time that you're listening to this recording. That is correct. Sweet. Word. Word. Correct. Thank you for thank you for snagging that. See, I would I would have forgotten that. Right. Yeah. No problem. That's you know, that's why we're here, man. Word. <laughs> um, so we reached out last week and we said, "Hey, we want you to tell us things. We want you to give us some questions for Adam." And we have a couple. Thank you so much, community, for doing that. The the illustrious, the the most magnificent uh, Paris from Gamertag Radio sent in a question this week for Adam, and he said. He says he wants to know his thoughts on the current state of microtransactions in AAA games and what is the balance needed to kind of not splinter the community via DLC paywalls. Um, and he wanted to figure out how you felt about that in examples of like Call of Duty and Halo and, and Destiny. And, right, yeah. So in, in terms of microtransactions, I mean, the, the game that I'm playing right now, Metal Gear Solid Five, that's the first time where I'm like, hold on, this FOB thing is kind of weird. I do remember you talking about that specifically, yeah. Yeah, and just because the way it kind of imposes it on you is you're clearly aware of the benefit, and you don't have the, I I, I didn't have the ultimate confidence that, like, if I don't go down this path, can I still enjoy the game and, like, you know, expand my, my, my arsenal and all the toys that I have to play with? That, that, that was a little... That one strikes me as weird, whereas I'm a little bit less upset by, say, I think the big one that everyone first got upset about was Forza, when the Xbox One launched. Right, right, right. right. And I'm like, you know, I don't have a problem with that, because if you're an adult with adult responsibilities, and you have kids or something like that, and you get Forza... You know, do you, do you have the 40 hours to get to the cars that you really want? Exactly. You know, okay, right. maybe I want to fast track it. And I don't think, I, I think, I think that's completely fair. I think 
when you start to worry that the game has been designed to compel you to have to do that microtransactions and you can't get the game that you want at that initial purchase price. And I, th I think our biggest issue right now is how can, because everyone is so suspicious when it comes to video games. <laughs> right. Um, how can the developer and the publisher reassure the person that while there may be the presence of microtransactions, it is there just as an option for those that may need to speed their way, that don't have you know, the, the, the kind of time that other people have to invest in it. I, I, I think we got to figure out a way that isn't so fraught with danger and paranoia <laughs> to be able to convey <laughs> that. Um, now, in, in, in terms of the DLC paywalls, how, how, how would you guys define that? I mean, see, uh, who yes. wants to go first on that yeah, one? Uh, so, well, the, I mean, the weird thing is, you know, specifically with, with Destiny and then uh, also with the Rise of the Tomb Raider, which is coming out this November, um, they're, they're both very weird. So Rise of the Tomb Raider is a single-player experience. I never really have a problem with with uh, with uh, pay DLC for or uh, yeah, pay, yeah. pay kind of, you know, Pay to win type of things in single player in single player yeah. experiences and and you know that's fine whatever you want to do you're not going to have the time everybody you know if we're all adults we all have adult responsibilities we don't have the time to to kick in 40 50 hours for seven eight 12 games that you know as it's been this year there's so many games that are just like ridiculous time sets. massive yeah so so you know that's perfectly fine um the, the thing in destiny that gives me pause is is the fact that it's such a multiplayer focused game and such a multiplayer heavy game that eventually I can I can see it being a very easy leap to say well if we were able to get whales and I hate the term but it's the term that's being used no it is the term yeah you know um, if we can get the whales to buy stupid emotes that mean nothing then what oh what, okay okay you're using C in the most broad term. It's just any type of content. I right. still think of DLC as what we would call an expansion. So pack yeah. Or so recently, recently, um, both Destiny and and uh, and uh, Rise of the Tomb Raider came out and said that they are going to have uh, pay 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 content and and have cash shops within within their games. Um, Destiny came out and said specifically that these are going to be cosmetic things that you can pay a dollar, two bucks for, whatever, and and they won't affect gameplay. Um, uh, Eidos came out and Microsoft came out and said that the the items that you're going to be able to get in Rise of the Tomb Raider can affect gameplay. Will you know have you know positive effects on gameplay in, in the, the single in, player or in, in the multiplayer? In the single player, yeah, because there is no multiplayer, right? No, there's no multi no multiplayer this time around in Rise of the Tomb Raider. So I mean that's. That's interesting. I mean, I guess with Rise of the Tomb Raider, because it's like single player, it's such a closed system right. mm -hmm. that as long as it's like, okay, as long as like you built it so I can play it without it. Right, right. It's, it is a little strange. Now, in terms of the Destiny and the cosmetic stuff, that's interesting because everyone's chasing after the Asian model. Yep. Mm, yeah. Because yes. Korea and China, that's where the money is made. But... Um, I, I, I still think that sometimes it's not well informed. I mean, and, and, and I might be wrong, but you know, there is there 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 are cultural differences between the West right. and Asia. <laughs> right, right, right. And in you know, yeah, you know, having traveled to J Japan a lot, you know, my 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 wife is Asian. It's like there there I, I know that 
if you have a good idea and you can sell it to five guys in Japan, you actually can sell it to 5,000 guys right. or 50,000 guys. There right. tends to be a lot of people following other people's actions. And I think that's where a lot of that kind of, we're going to make our money by getting that 1% or 2% of whales that just like really want to kind of just you know, improve their character. I still think that's a tougher sell in the U.S. Hmm. You have a lot more competition for the game, period. Right. And then you have to take that sliver that is going to be so dedicated, so into the game, that you're going to spend money for something that, on many levels, seems a little bit inconsequential. And right. I think, you know, World of Warcraft and stuff like that has conditioned us that we want to find it so that we can wear it as a badge of pride right. and right. tell other people, like, I got an orange. Yeah. And they're like, whoa, <laughs> look at that, dude. That, I think that, like, the genie was way too far out of the bottle to try to reintroduce that. I might be completely wrong. You know, it, it's, but, I mean, that, that's, it seems less disturbing to me than is maybe misdirected. Well, I mean, there's, there's a lot about Destiny that still has me scratching my head. I haven't even played Taken right, King. Right. I don't really understand what they've done and that it's retroactively changing the first game. And, and, that's, <laughs> and, that's, the th- and that's the thing there, Adam. It's, it's the, the fact that for, for the people that have figured it out, like, you know, that, that are, are drinking the, the Destiny Kool-Aid, there are there are a lot of people and I've actually been reintroduced to the Kool-Aid and, and uh, uh-huh. you know, so, you know, I've re rekindled my love affair for, for that that young woman named Destiny. And <laughs> um, but but there are so many people that are hooked like that, that you know, there people aren't necessarily passive uh, purveyors, uh, consumers of the of the Destiny content. You are, you, yeah. you know, you're in it, you're in it every day, you're in it for hours um, and you're there with your friends. And, and the thing that I'm afraid of is that and they've already, you know, the, the 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 conspiracy theorists on the Internet have already peeked through the code and seen uh, seen placeholders for uh, tokens that will help you level up or that will help you to um fill out one of your subclasses right away and so there are all of these boosts that they found in the code that if you pay a you know you pay a couple of bucks for will allow you to upgrade your your player to the nth degree it's it's now, obviously, in terms of the competitive multiplayer, there's some serious problems there right. and I don't even know if that's going to work in the competitive multiplayer. I would be actually kind of shocked if you could do that. Right. It gets it. Look, I'm not saying I love this idea, but I, I fear that there's an inevitability in something like Destiny exactly. where that's going to happen. Once again, it doesn't. It doesn't make the game unbalanced because you're working cooperatively. I think it does make those who have dedicated the time feel like, well, hold on, does this guy? It's, you know, it's it's kind of like that whole thing about the train car, the new guy that comes in. Right. It's like, oh, well, hold on, are you right. legit? Are you supposed to be here? Mm-hmm. I mean, unfortunately, that's. That mentality is the one that caused us some problems over the past couple of years. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, the thing is, that really, really core audience, they're not enough to keep this $500 million game going. Right. Like, Destiny, I think, and I'm one of the guys, and I play a lot of games. I was really put off when I first started playing it. I've, I've had no, I have not been compelled to want to go back and play it again. Um,. I think they're going to need to have things like that to bring people in where there's already quite a few thousand people that are already playing it. They feel like, I don't know, should I be here? What am I supposed to do? They want to catch up. It's a, way, it's a way to monetize it. I'm kind of saying that this is an inevitability, and I think it's more upon the game industry and the publishers to communicate this better. 
because right. it's going to happen. Right. I don't think it's as evil as some people see it as it is, but I can understand why people would be very apprehensive about it because I don't think it's being presented, discussed. It's not with the right kind of transparency right. or with the right level of reassurances. Um, I also find it kind of interesting that I don't think anyone else is going to make a Destiny equivalent. Oh, no. I th- I, I, and that we th- this may actually be kind of hermetically sealed within the world of Destiny. I, I had no idea about the stuff about, about Tomb Raider. I have been so focused right. on, 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 on my <laughs> Rightfully <two projects>. so. <laughs> that, you know, it, it, it's, it's an interesting idea. I think people, and I, I, I wish people would give a little bit of patience for these experiments with those kind of transactions within a single-player game because the games are really expensive to make and they've yeah. got to find some other ways to make money that are kind of optional for the player. And I think we're going to see a lot of fumbles along the way and you know, it's it's kind of funny. It's 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 kind of when I was reading a, a, a couple of editorials in the paper about the Democrats right before the Democratic debate. You know, Democrats like the minute like Obama coughs or Hillary Clinton like you know looks askance, yeah. they're like, oh my God, we're dead. Right, it's right. over. Trump's gonna win. Ah, uh-huh. we're just gonna pull it back. Missteps happen in life, yeah. and that's how you learn, and then you and then you change from it. Right. Um, but yeah, yeah, we're going to see some things that I think are going to put some people off. They're going to raise some eyebrows. That does not mean that this is going to become the gold standard and this is going to go on. Um, I, 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 I can at least say this from the work I've been doing since I left the press. And I knew this even when I was in the press. These companies really do listen. Right. Okay. Like they, they, they are aware. Sometimes the companies are very big and can't change on a dime. Right. But they are listening, and they do take that feedback, and they do try to make that instructive going, going forward that – but because um, it's, it's, what I tend to see more about the DLC stuff is pre-orders for games where you already are aware that they have content beyond the launch. Right, Should right, you be right, buying right, into it right. now? Obviously, one of the easy ways to avoid that is don't pre-order. Right. Um, <laughs> and to be honest, I have yet to have ever seen content that was so good from the pre-order that it really changed the, the gameplay experience. Mm-hmm. That I think that, you know, I think, I think some consumers need to kind of pull themselves back from like, you know, oh my God, it's exclusive. Like the, the word exclusive is like, it, it's, it's up there with freedom and liberty is one of the most manipulated <laughs> and bullshit words out there. <laughs> and it's just like, you know, I, I have more confidence that the core game itself is the satisfying experience. And if you get something else, that's great. Right. But, you know, if, if, if you're uncertain, you don't know about that DLC, and if you want it, and if the game's going to be good enough, th- you don't, don't get it. I mean, that, that, that really is the most effective way to go about mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the, the really cool thing about that conversation is you see companies who are doing it really well, like CD Projekt Red, yeah. and you see other ones who are not doing it really well, like most of the stuff that you'll see in, a, in lots of different EA games. Right. Where they well, I, I think it's because about. CD Projekt Red, because they're in Poland, they think PC first. Right, right, right. right and right, there is a right. standard that exists with PC that is much different than console. And they're, a, you know, they're, they're not a small company, but they don't have corporate management and they don't have investors. I mean, it's, it's one of those things is that 
always bear in mind that it's not like everyone gets together at a big major publisher and just rubs their hands together and says, we're going to do it right. this way. <laughs> right. Right, right, right. There are so many competing forces that usually cause a bad decision to make. Right. And there's a lot of people who are very smart that know it's a bad decision, but be it investors or who is politically powerful inside of the organization, that may be why that decision is... I, I think sometimes that we turn corporate... Yes, the Supreme Court told us that corporations are people, right. <laughs> but they're not. Right, right. What? What are you saying? But, but, but the thing is, if you go on message boards and stuff like that, people are almost writing fan fiction as if a Ubisoft or an EA is a living, breathing, sentient <laughs> entity. Right. Right. And that, like, EA made this decision. Right. Well, yes, from the outward perspective, it was EA that made the decision, but it wasn't like everyone at EA got together and made that decision. <laughs> it's, it's, like, corporations are very much like the, uh, the, the, the Communist Central Party of China. Right. There's a lot of discord inside, but when they do speak, they speak with one voice. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. Right. I, I want to I take a second to, um, to kind of shout out and give props to Rockstar, um, in in Grand Theft Auto Five now you know or GTA Online, um, you know we've seen a a a, a, a metric ton of content come through uh, for GTA Online and all of it you know and and it's it's trickled out over the course of two years but everything has been free and it's and it's it's you know sizable content. No 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 it's look, look I, I I know those guys and I love those guys. Uh, they are in one of the most rarefied positions in the entire right. video game right. industry. Absolutely. Right. They made a billion dollars in three days. Right. And <laughs> I mean, to think about. <laughs> I, I can assure you, I bet, I mean, I, a, a game publisher, all they want to do is just sell you the one product and that's it. Yeah. Right, right, right. But it's just with margins and the uncertainty of the marketplace. And, you know, it's just like, unless you have the name Grand Theft Auto, like, you just can't be reliant upon something like that. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, wow, yeah. There's a lot to chew on as far as DLC goes and how it's been moving and what where where it can go next. It's like the, the we didn't even hit this the secondary part of the season pass version of that conversation, yeah. which yeah. to me is the is the bigger uh, part of that conversation that blows my mind every time we have a, a conversation about DLC. That, that one is just a whole other monster. I mean, it's, it's like, you know, I bought a couple of season passes. I did it for Witcher because I have ultimate and absolute faith in CD Projekt Red. Right. right. Yes, yes. There's other games where I'm like, I'm going to wait. Yeah, I'm going to pay six or seven bucks more if the DLC turns out to be good and right. I want to get it. But that's how, you know, it's just, it's, there's just no golden rule for any of that. Right, right, right. I don't right. think. Yeah, right. I, I mean, I, well, yeah, go ahead, Reef. I'm sorry. No, I was just saying, like, I think to me, that's what this all comes down to is people's self-control and people wanting to be in on something. Like, I don't think a company is out to manipulate you if there's microtransactions or season pass or pre-orders. If you don't agree with it, just don't get it. Like, I I just like the whole thing about being taken advantage of or, oh, this person isn't going to earn this because they're buying it. To me, is just I just think it's kind it's, of ridiculous. It's, yeah, Sh- Sharif, I, I agree with you one hundred percent. And I, you know, I, I, oh, fine, I'm going to say it. And I've even thought this about the press sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when all the stuff came out about Molyneux, and it's right. like, oh, we're not going to be manipulated, right, right, you know, right, by him, or like they're just trying to just you know t- take us for a ride. Um, 
Man, you're really important to that equation when you see the world that way. Right, right, right. <laughs> right. Wow, wow. Right. They're going to spend all that time just to manipulate your dumbass. Right. Wow. You are really yeah. special. Mr. <laughs> I have so much goddamn influence. They are sitting there just manipulating the machinations. No one seems to allow for the fact that maybe, and I know this is true, some developers, all they want to do is show the game. Right. Because they're in love with it. They've been working on it for two, two and a half years. Right. They may, they may think it's good and it isn't good. Right. right. I'm not saying that means that the game is good, but they might be very genuine. And I even, look, Molyneux does have a problem with saying too much, but I know, like, I actually consider him a friend. In the moment he's saying that, he's excited about his ideas. Right. He wants to believe in them. Right. You know, he's talking to you as, 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 a, as a fellow enthusiast. Right. Mm. right. You know, not as some kind of like oh well we gotta get Bob on board right. <laughs> it, it really it's just it's just it's this amazing narrative where like they're just trying to get me as a consumer and it's like look yeah there's some shady stuff out there but I don't know I mean I work on television and I, I did and I never thought myself very very important and it's like it's, it, I think it's a much healthier way because it kind of avoids a lot of paranoia and it involves a lot of just like kind of like narcissism yeah. At the same time, I, I'm probably gonna get excoriated for saying that, but it's just like. But you're but you're right. It's because very a lot of, few of us are that important. Right. Yeah. Like, yep. if you're gonna get lobbied, you're in Congress. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. There's a lot of people who really do believe that they are way more important than sure. they actually are, and sure. I think, I think again, like one of the one of the kind of things that I pulled back from this year so far of. Um, it, uh, going to GDC was one of the most important uh, things that I did this year because it gave me a new perspective on exactly how much devs care about the work that they do. Yeah, yeah. And it, and if you have that kind of knowledge, then you won't talk as much shit as you usually do as a consumer. Well, and, and also, in, in terms of the creative arts and the creative commercial arts, right? Um, if you're working on a movie, typical production schedule for a movie eh, probably nine to twelve months. You know, prior to that, you have a you know you have a couple of producers and a screenwriter. They're they're getting that together. But in terms of like where you're staffed up to the highest, that's probably four months, maybe five months tops. Michael Bay is making it right, and people move on. Right, uh, music. Once again, you don't have that many people that are following the creation of an album from beginning to end. Same thing with television. Right, you know they're seasonal. Games entirely different. There are many people who are there for three years with that product. Mm -hmm. Their relationship right. with that work is far deeper, far more emotional than most people who are associated with other types of, 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 of commercial entertainment. And it is a, it is a different dynamic. They, 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 they definitely care more. And, you know, I, I mean, I've worked on, I mean, I've worked on a couple bad television shows, not, 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 X-Play, which had bad moments. Right. <laughs> bad. Now, I did another show, and you can go look up, and you'll figure out what that show right. was, where I'm like, this shit ain't very good. <laughs> but you know what? We shot it for a couple of weeks. I did a little bit of promotion for it. It wasn't good. It got canceled after two episodes, and I moved on. Right, right. That, that's not that easy to do when you put three, two and a half years, three years into a game. Right. Right. And you watch it not do well, and you watch it get misinterpreted, you watch it get slammed by the press. Right. I'm not saying it doesn't deserve to or it does, but yeah, it's a much different relationship. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Cough, cough, Tony Hawk, Pro Skater 5. Cough, <laughs> cough. 
But you know what? Though? Okay, okay. There are other games. <laughs> Sorry. Before I get too universalist right here. <laughs> oh, shit. That was that was that was but also, kind of amazing. There there are a lot of devs who also know their game is bad. Right. Yep. And it's still a job and they gotta get it out the Yeah, it's right. it's like any job. Like any job that I've mm-hmm. ever worked in. Like I work in the IT space. Sometimes you're on a project, you know it's not going well, but you yeah. have a delivery date and you gotta hit it and you do the best you can. You know, it's, it's, you know, I know that a lot of people that complain about this stuff, I surmise might not have as much, uh, work experience as, uh, we do, but it, it just, I just don't see why people see games as a separate thing and like developers and like a publisher as not people that love their jobs and want to do the best thing, but sometimes are under the pressures of being in a corporation. Well, I mean, but it's also, I mean, I, I, I think in a broader way, with the internet, I mean, this demand for purity, this demand for, you know, we're, we're seeing it in politics where, you know, obviously on the right wing, like, you know, unless you somehow have, like, such perfect conservative bona fides, right. you know, and, and, then, and then, you know, with, with, with Black Lives Matter, you see DeRay McKesson, you know, gets excoriated for meeting with Bernie Sanders right. or, or, or Hillary Clinton because somehow he's being co-opted by the machine. Right. Right. I mean, it, 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 it's like, you, 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 can, you, you see this in so many different ways, and it, it really scares me where it's like, we don't want people to be people. Right. And it, 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 it really, it's a, it, I think the game thing, because games always seem to be the loudest and most amplified version of some kind of, like, larger societal f- phenomena. But, like, this one really does, do, like, it, it makes me upset, but it really disturbs me also. Yeah, it's this, it's this weird kind of, like, attachment that you don't really see in a lot of other media or in other, like, you see it in politics, like you said, there is this, that version of it, but it's also still weird. But if you politics. feel there's something at stake in politics, I guess. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, it seems like there are actual things that can really go wrong with actual human beings. Yeah. In those yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I'm just like, I don't understand it, but dude, that, that is what it is. Um, we had one other community feedback question. Uh, our brother Deep Boyce uh, from the BGB podcast Deep and Boyce. all the dopeness over there. He he is wondering: Will we ever have another Sessler soapbox? Probably not. <laughs> um, <laughs> we had one on the show just a second ago. Tell him why <laughs> you can get that. But it's okay. You, you, you know what the biggest issue with Sessler soapbox and Sessler something was? It was that it had to be weekly. Right. Oh, really? Because there okay. were times I had something I wanted to say. Yeah. And there were weeks where I'm like, I got nothing to say. <laughs> and especially at G4, they're like, well, get angry about something. <laughs> get fired and up. like, I try to. And it, it, I, 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 there are times where, like, it's funny. People say, I love it when you do those rants. And I'm like, yeah, but the ones I liked is when I was talking about things I liked, not things I hated. Right. And I, I, I still go back. I'm like, I don't know. I don't think I necessarily contributed that much good because people remember so much of the negativity. And sometimes it was really funny, and I think it was on point. Right. But people tend to give so much more value to when you're angry than to when you're happy. And, and that just scares the crap out of me. Moreover, I can't just be throwing around opinions left and right because – I need to work with game companies. Right, right. <laughs> and I'm not going to go and take a shit in the hand that's feeding me. <laughs> it's Agreed. But having said that, I, I can't be very specific about it because I don't want to jinx myself. I am working on some projects that do involve there being a camera 
that are things I've always wanted to do that hopefully people would be excited about. Cool. So awesome. uh, I, I hope to, I hope to be able to talk about that in the next couple of months. But in terms of me acting like a raving lunatic in front of a webcam, nah. <laughs> Only on this show. Right. Only yes. on this show. This is the place this that the place. Sessler's Soapbox winds up being. Right. I will be happy <laughs> as hell with that. Soapbox um, lives in Bercago. Word. We're, um, we're about to get into our new section, and usually when we do that, we kind of move things around, and we break stuff down, and we move them away, and we bring them back, and what else do we do, see? Uh, we, uh, you already said it, but we break it down. Break it down! Lies, rumors, rumors, lies. So there were a couple of really dope uh, news stories and articles that that popped up into our view this week. Uh, There was one that was really well done by a friend of the show, uh, writer for Kotaku, Evan Narciss, about um, a kind of interesting subject that you don't really hear and see written about uh, on most gaming sites and or in the gaming space. He can't can't play with his hair. That was really that was really funny. Yeah. He, can't, he can't play with his hair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was talking about specifically how you know his hair, African American hairstyles are very few and far between in the space, and how they are not well done and not properly modeled and aren't really thought about in real ways, and how that affects he him as a, as a game player, as a, as a person who writes about games, and a person who is uh, in that space. So I kind of want to go around the horn and see you know what you all thought about that. Let's start off with reef reef what did you think about that story i mean i identified with it almost 100 percent. i mean um you know a lot of times when i've created my character and this is everything from sort of the simplistic kind of making a me on the Wii to some of the more kind of complex like the uh mass effects and uh those kind of games um you know in general if you're looking to make you know specifically in my case a uh african-american male you know it's pretty much a fade and an afro maybe some kind of low cut um but i always say that about 90 percent of the uh numbered barbershop uh poster that's in every black barbershop (laughs) is missing yes i want to make a t-shirt out of that from every character creation like 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 you just rarely see especially with the sideburns like a shaped up kind of cyber thing kind of like a small fro a medium one like like people wear their hairstyles in so many different ways and i just i just feel like it's usually um a fail and if it is there um and i've noticed that this affects i think women of a color more like the physics is usually um, not really thought out, so it's just kind of like thrown in there. And like, I'm not saying that like you need like Witcher three hair effects or or uh, <laughs> things like that. Nobody needs Witcher three <laughs> hair effects, <laughs> right? Man, I I want that Geralt shine on my hair. Um, but but um, yeah, it, it it just seems like an afterthought. Um, which you know you know on Gameless Good, I talk about how a lot of the stuff that we see in games it sounds like they were like one day from going gold and then they were like oh my god like we 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 have to throw this stuff in there 
You know, you know. So, oh my God, we forgot about the black people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, They've got hair. They've got hair. Yeah, and 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 um and, and I've heard similar comments from from uh from uh, Latino players and from Asian players as well that find it really hard to create you know, really nuanced versions of uh, those kinds of uh, characters in these creators. So I think uh, Ev did a fantastic job, as usual, um, in his article. Yeah, it's, yeah it, was, it was ridiculously good. See? Um, everything that Reef said, uh, you know, obviously, first and foremost, uh, Ev, um, I mean, that shit was dope. And and um, I would be remiss if, if I didn't say that this... this uh, this piece that he wrote is an excerpt from um, from a, a an essay that he wrote for a a book called The State of Play that features himself, Anita Sarkeesian, Zoe Quinn, uh, Anna Anthropy, Ian Box, and, and uh, Ian Bogost. I don't know who Ian Bogost. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't know who that person is, so I fucked up his name. I'm sorry, Ian. Um, please forgive me. Um, but the but the the book will be out uh, next Tuesday, October twentieth. So uh, while you're listening to this, while you're listening to us talk about how amazing this piece is, go to Amazon and um, you know purchase the book. Or uh, it's available on Kindle. Um, I've already got my copy. I'm ready to go. Uh, it's, it's it's so I mean, this, the story is great. Obviously, if you're if you're a person of color, if you've ever tried to make yourself in the games um, and you're not just rocking a baldy all the time, uh, you you know, the difficulty with with trying to find your hairstyle, even in even in the games where black people are represented the most, which are basketball games, NBA games. Um, it, it's always difficult to try and find the hairstyle that is most similar to yours unless you have a high top fade an afro a baldy or uh you know a low cut caesar um what i will say and and one thing that he did miss in the article is there is one game that did it that has done it well uh and that is uh shout out to lisa brown it's insomniac sunset overdrive um they did a a really good job one of the better jobs i've ever seen and creating um, realistic-looking hair of color, you know, from from people of color, marginalized hair. Hashtag marginalized hair. <laughs> <laughs> oh my good Adam, what did you think of the piece? I mean, I mean, I I, I love Evans' writing. Uh, I I put it up there. His his review of Paul Beatty's "The Sellout" was like the other thing he wrote this year, where I'm like, oh man, and I went and read that book and just loved it. Mm. Um, well, I really like what he did. Is is obviously he was talking about a very a much bigger problem, which is the problem of representation both in games and within the gaming industry. But it was so effective to focus on something seemingly narrow and small, right. but you know, mm. it made a very strong case why that really really matters. And I really, I, I thought about it for so long yesterday, and I thought about other games. I think sometimes you have games that want to have dramatic hair, period. Right, right, right. But what he keys into, and I think this is what's so important, is that dramatic white person hair is just what it is. <laughs> right. Dramatic African-American hair has baggage. Right, right. And it is baggage that has been established inside of video games, and it's baggage that has been you know, established inside of pop culture. Right. And that... It doesn't work to say, oh, we were just being the same way in all of this. It's like, right. 
No, only on the most superficial level is that the case. Because, you know, I'm, try, I'm trying to think of uh, mo- Mohawk. You know, right, I'm, try, right. I'm trying to think of something that, that's going to be typical here. That just that, that really doesn't mean much. Maybe the death of punk. Right. You know, <laughs> and so right. a, a few, you know, so, so people who love the cramps and stuff like that are, yeah, can have a moment. But no, what, what he said about the dreadlocks right. and with that certain size of afro. Right, right, right. You know, that just, just past reasonable into comical. Right. Yep, right. And I'm like, no, you're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. And there is something that's really, really nuanced there. And there's so much meaning in maybe, what, half an inch, a quarter of an inch of distinction. And you can, and you can feel that intent. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, it really, I think, just drives home that I don't think, you know, obviously we know that the majority of developers out there are white, that, that there's like ill intent in something like that. But, right. but there needs to be more I- attention. Right. Because things carry messages, you know, when we're just passing on all these things that are codified and we just bring it again to the player, we're just kind of perpetuating something. And, you know, I, I, I think some things, I can't go into specifics, obviously, some things I have enjoyed getting to do with my job is trying to sort of say, like, hold on a second. Let's take a look at this. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, th- you are doing this very quickly. It's part of your job and you're passing it out. But this is about to be isolated and it takes on a lot more meaning. And let's really consider what that meaning might be and how, and, and, and how that might be portrayed. And, but I just, I, yeah, I, 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 th- I thought it was a great piece. And I, I, hope, I hope a lot of people read it and understand that, you know, small things have meaning. Even if it isn't meaning for you. Please allow other people to have me. Great point. And I think that that's a, that's a, a great point to hear also from you on the consultant side and I'm hearing that from some, some, some other friends that I have on, on that end of the, the spectrum where a lot of those conversations are actually kind of bubbling up to the top and I know if you just can't talk about them but I know that they're happening which makes me feel yeah, really good it's, it's, it's one of those things where I think change is happening in the industry it's not going to happen tomorrow and that doesn't mean just because it's happening people need to stop asking for that change right. but for those who think that there is no change that can happen I think and I know that Evan kind of talked about that. Mm-hmm. I think it will be there. Will there be a perfect world? Uh, even I can't say that. Right, sure. But I think at least if people are starting to be cognizant. And I, obviously, once again, as we were talking about earlier, these guys work on this work. It's an expression of them. And they don't want that expression to be tied to something that, you know, they regard themselves as bad. as having like kind of like, like playing in some un- unpleasant racial overtones or, 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 or gender portrayals. Right. That's not... They don't want to be stigmatized that way. And I think that they're becoming more sensitive about how to guide themselves along. But also, some people don't, they just don't know. Right, right, you know, what's, right. What's, what's, what's happening. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, we had, a, we had a good conversation about that last night on a, on a recording of uh, Fresh Out of Tokens. Uh, and we, we said uh, the, if there was any form of hair reparations that we were going to get, it is coming in the form of NBA 2K right. 15 and 16 where they get pr- pretty much mostly all the African-American hair right, and they screw up all the white players. Right, right. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> the hair is terrible for white characters. Larry Bird looks like he yeah, just got Larry shot Bird, by Dirk Nowitzki, uh, if you've seen Steve Nash, uh, Dirk is the only one that's still in the league right now. If you, if you pull up uh, 
a NBA 2K16 version of Dirk Dirk Nowitzki. That 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 actually could be a skin in the he Friday ba- the Thirteenth game. He basically looks like a seven foot whisk broom. <laughs> and I was like, why did you Adam, do that? To his Adam hair? is holding his mouth right now. <laughs> I had to move the mic away. <laughs> so so if if you if you want to have a little bit of solace, 2K, you're doing it right. No. Um, gosh, that's oh my god. Um, we had another story. See, do you want to you want to jump into that? Sure. Um, the I guess the the next story is about how Witcher Three proves people want uh, big games, and you know they 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 believe that people want the most bang for their buck, and they and you know as we kind of alluded to before, they're going out and they're, they're giving everyone. Uh, as much DLC as they possibly can for as little as they possibly can, and 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 they believe that's what gamers want. And and you know the the question is whether or not we all agree, um, <laughs> because because The Witcher Three, the 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 amazing feat that it is, is an opus, and and you know the last thing that in in my in my heart of hearts. I, you know, while I love getting lost in that world and I think it's a fantastic game, the last thing I want from that game is another 30 hours, you know, (laughs) but I I think it comes down to if you are a completionist or not, like I like the thing I love about The Witcher 3 is I can just like I know I'm going to be immersed for three hours. I also know I'm not going to progress anywhere in the main story because I'm going right. to run around and find some random person <laughs> right. in a house right. that I end up on a six-step quest to free. But 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 I love that about the game, and I think that the um, stat that they sh- that that they shared in the article about only 25 percent of people actually finishing it. I don't think it's necessary a negative thing because I don't think everybody is a completionist. I think some people, they still get their money's worth because they realize that it's a meaty game that if they had the time, they would sit down and knock out, but not everybody does. So so, so they said 25% finished it or didn't finish it? Finish it. 25% finish. That's actually still a pretty good number. Yeah, yeah well, I can gather. That, 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 that's actually, yeah. I mean, I, I'm with Sharif. And I, I I love that game, and I was going to ask you. Have, I don't know what level you have to be to beat that one like Griffin thing that's at the far north island on the <laughs> oh, map. I don't even know. Who, uh, I, I mean, I finished game like I'm going to go get him now. I'm like, fuck! It's still has like the question marks around his level. <laughs> like, God, man. Um, I, I mean, I. Witcher is a game I would like more content for. I think the one challenge that comes with that is because the content doesn't respect the ending that you get. Right, right. That's a tough one for me where it's like, ah, no, because I was really happy. I, mean, I, I, I do want it to build upon what happened. Obviously, there's, there's various endings that, that players can get. Um, I think they're right. Players want those big games, but they forgot a special word. They want good big games. Right, right. yes. And there's a lot of big Games. I mean, almost everything is open world, yeah. and I just don't. I mean, I, I I don't even know this of an open world game. What does the average player buy in a year? One or two? Right. Because right. I think with all of our like how much that we play, I can't extend all those worlds. Like right. the time, right. just 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 won't allow it. And I I think there's. Yes, we want big games. We would like those to go on, but only the ones that deserve to. Right. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think that that's the main thing, right? Is again, people are talking about, I want more, 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 more. But if you want really good things, you might not have as many things to pick from. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, they want you, and I think it, it works for CD Projekt Red because look, if, if, when we see another Witcher game, it's what six years from now, <laughs> right. probably. Exactly. Exactly. Right. So it's wise to keep the brand going and pe- keep people engaged with it by doling out more and more of that sure. content. Sure. Sure. And. So I, I I know the goal is they want to start to see games as service, not just as as product, right. and that is one of those ways. Like I love Witcher, I will keep on playing Witcher until there is a new Witcher. If that's the sweet spot that a lot of companies want to get to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kyle, uh, what, do you, what, um, do you, what do you think about that? What's that? I said, what do you think about it all? I mean, it's it's going to be one of those things. Like I probably am not going to finish Witcher anytime soon. Right. I I or it, ever. I, I knew I wasn't going to finish it when both Two K came out and Metal Gear came out and Destiny's the new expansion came out. I literally just deleted it from my hard drive because I said I'm never going to get right. to this game anytime soon. Right. I know I'm not going to. Um, it it, it kind of proves itself that again, if you make good content, you can pump out more good content. And still keep the funnel kind of going, kind of have the faucet on consistent run. And then it will still just funnel itself in. You'll be able to play it and you'll be able to get some more when you need it. And it'll still be there. That's kind of the great thing about what they've been doing, actually, is once it's all come out, you can then just go and consume it all, which is going. And to be cool. it'll get repackaged. This is ultimate edition. Right. And right. yeah, <laughs> they'll, 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 they'll send you a Griffin head in the mail. Right. <laughs> <laughs> You can rock it, and you can rock it. Bamboo Griffin earrings, at least two pair. Right. Nice. Um, that's the second LL reference, Kyle. Right, exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm I feeling need, this. I'm saying, that's two LL references on this show. Right, exactly. Um, our last story is uh, one that Reef dropped in. You had a great uh, Gaming Looks Good episode that you just put up not too long ago about uh, more diversity in the Call of Duty uh, Black Ops 3 beta. Uh, if you can go into that before we get up out of here. Sure. Yeah, so Call of Duty has kind of gone on this evolution from being like the absolute bro gamer, broiest game with that all white with all white men in it to slowly realizing that people that are not white men play their game and there are people <laughs> that aren't white men that are soldiers right. and do all that kind of stuff. Um so 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 like with um with Ghosts, they actually introduced a female NPC, which was right. huge at the time. Right. Um, and now with this game, they're actually having their first lead. So, so like, you can choose the gender of the lead character, right? So like, uh, it's like Mass Effect, where like there's like a separate voice acting and like a separate mm-hmm. lines. So for this game, that's like a huge, but the trailer, which they released last week, um, it still looks like every other Call of Duty game, right? Right. So, you know, it still kind of fits that model that I see a lot where it's like, this is the real game. And yeah, you know, you can change it to a woman if you want. Right. You know, know, and and like I feel that a lot like uh, when it comes to games that have where like you can choose the gender and the race, but all the marketing, all the characters and all that stuff are all the same. Right. right? Um, Now, I contrasted that in the video with the multiplayer, which I think really goes out of its way to show different archetypes 
of um both both race and gender like the heavy weapons person is like a woman which you never see right um, yeah um <laughs> yeah and and yep. and the voice acting is like great and you know so you know i really th- threw it out in the video like you, you, you know is you know is it more important to sort of have that in the multiplayer or the single player should they strive for more of like connecting the, those like worlds i know that they have like separate executables and they're basically separate games up, up to this point um yeah so like i just wanted to kind of throw it out to um to like uh, you guys in terms of like diversity in like multiplayer focus games versus like sort of the single player like movie campaign if like uh, you see a difference in the importance of it um or anything like that well i mean i think oh yeah yeah no go ahead you, no, no. you go sis. Oh, okay, no, okay. No, no, you. all right well so so i i i think that uh first and first and foremost is a great point that you're making reef um about uh both these games um pr- both promoting diversity and then dismissing it at the same time um you know there's there's probably three or four games that are alleged to come out this this holiday season um, and I, you know, I say alleged because one of those games is Rainbow Six uh, Siege, which will not make its December date. Um, and and <laughs> so there, there, there are the games that both promote racial and gender diversity uh, in the game. So Fallout Four is doing that. Um, like you said, Call of Duty, uh, Call of Duty, Black Ops Three is doing it. Rainbow Six Siege, and there was a there there was a fourth one, and I can't. It's slipping. It's slipping my mind right this second. Um, but in in all of those in the marketing, you know, especially um, uh, on the E three stage with Fallout with Fallout Four, uh, you were able to see the the you know i mean it was brilliant the 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 customer the custom uh, the customizing character customization thing with you're in the mirror with your wife or your you know your spouse and then you get to switch them back and forth and you can switch you know do all that stuff and they spent a lot of time and they started out by having both a black man and a black woman in the mirror but then when they showed the clips it was a white guy um, so you get really excited and you're like, oh, OK, it was, you know, same old, same old um, Rainbow Six, Rainbow Six uh, Siege also does a thing where they have uh, these counterterrorist unit uh, personnel. But the, you can only there's only one character from each class available for each match. And and it's either, you know, there are many multigendered um, bo- or both genders Um so there are men and women and there are, you know, different ethnicities and all of that stuff is there. And immediately when you see that character, you know exactly what that character's uh, attributes are and what that character can do. So, I mean, that stuff is great, um, but it would be great also if we got to see some diversity in the marketing as well. Adam, what do you think on that? Yeah, no, no. I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those. It's so tricky. It's like what well, I think has to happen is that some company has to take that first step. Right. Right, and they're all scared. They want the other one to do it. <laughs> um, no, it, it, let's go back to one of those other things. Uh, Last of Us. Sure. Right. You know, there's all that pressure not to have. I can't. I can't remember the the girl's name. The Ellie. character's name. Ellie. Ellie. Ellie, on it, and it's just my brain says that can't be a turnoff. Mm-hmm. 
But there's all these people in marketing that think, and maybe there's numbers to support it, that there's that many people that go, ew, girl, and they run yeah, away. Yeah. Right. I, I, I honestly, I, I, I don't know, and it is frustrating. The one thing that I was just thinking about when you talked about it, it made me so excited at the Bethesda press conference, was the Dishonored 2 trailer. Yes. Because yes. yes. I, I knew you could play as Emily Caldwell ahead of time, you know, because I was working with them. But I hadn't seen the trailer. I didn't know that he wasn't in it at all. It was right. just her. Right, right, And right. that was like, God. Yes. So, and I don't, and I, I don't think there was someone out there that went, oh, man. <laughs> and, for all the, and how many people that are like, I'm not going to buy that game now. It's got ladies right. in it. Right. I mean, does that really translate? I mean, I, I think that's the thing. And it's, to be honest, this is a project that I really want to work on is how do we get that internet noise and find out what the bullshit factor is? Yeah. Right. Mm. Right. You know, it's like, I'm you know, people are like, I'm writing a petition. I'm never going to get Left 4 Dead 2. I can't believe what they did to me. Did, how many of those guys really didn't get Left 4 right. Dead 2? Right. Right. sat around on Left 4 Dead, Dead 2 launch day where all their other friends are playing and going, I'm making a statement right. because, you know. <laughs> I mean, it's, seriously, and, and same with FIFA. Everyone got so angry that, you know, God forbid the people that won the Women's World Cup got to be on the cover of the game right. about the fucking sport. And like, oh, 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 fine, you're just an SJW talking about current affairs right. that happened. Right. And it's just... <laughs> I mean, it's it's I, I I just don't know. I don't think it translates that much. It doesn't. But there's so much noise, and I think people are scared. And once again, remember, people like not not just devs, the people in corporate buildings. They're on these big campuses, and they're sitting in these offices. Yeah. And the only way to find the real world is through this fucking thing called the internet. Mm. And the only people out there that say I'm I am internet and I am interested in you are the ones who are screaming bloody murder right. because there's a lady or there's a person of color there, right. and we just need to find something definitive because it's you know it, it's frustrating to me. I mean, I God, I can't even. I mean, I, I, maybe one day, and if and if this, I know this person probably is listening to this podcast, I would like to meet the guy who's like, it actually makes purchasing decisions by the inclusion of women or people in, of color on the cover of a video game. Right. Just so I can get inside their head and figure it out. Because it makes no rational sense to me. If, it's you, like, wanna, if you wanna tweet at how us, How uninformed a consumer are you? I need a game. Oh, uh, there's a white person on the cover there. Okay, that one. <laughs> right. I mean, really, that's what we're. I mean, that's the way that like people must be thinking that people are making yeah, the purchase absolutely. decisions. They don't read reviews. They don't watch a trailer. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, well, think about it this way: if if those are real people, right, then we can totally all four of us. We know enough people in the gaming industry that we could come up with a studio that we can make White Soldier Dude. <laughs> white and we Soldier can make, Dude. We can make White Soldier Dude the game. Colon the game, right? <laughs> and then we will be. How about this? Can we actually call it the further adventures of White Soldier? The <laughs> the White Soldier Dude Part Six, continuing the story of all history right. as it is always told. The continuing adventures of White, White Soldier, Soldier Dude, Dude, the game. Oh, <laughs> yeah, and, and, and then and we can have it. We can have it star Michael Dudikoff, and right. that'll be perfect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then, it, then it will be the, the American uh, Ninja. The perfect uh, <laughs> no, American it, Ninja. It, 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 I have your girlfriend yeah, with a guest appearance from Tom Berenger. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> yes, I mean, Howard has it writes itself. Oh my god! But no, this is exactly why I think that you know we often hear that diversity is not like some you know it's really about making games represent what the world looks like. And I don't think that most people have these 
um, these the, these thoughts. I do think that society kind of pushes out that mentality, and I do think that there's a vocal minority that shouts the loudest. But right, you know, no, I mean it's. I wish you guys have gathered from the times that we, we talked and stuff like that. You know, where, 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 where I grew up, not everyone looked like me. And right. that's what my reality is. Right. And in, in fact, like, there's something almost unpleasantly hyper real when I see games or I see movies or I'm in real life and everyone looks the same. Right. It's just, it, it makes me anxious, right. to be perfectly <laughs> honest. <laughs> and... and no, and that's the thing is that I just don't even think that if you, if you showed a game that was diverse, that there's even any novelty in it because that's what it does look like outside. Right. I think for most people, especially for most young people who are primarily the people that are playing games, that you know when you walk out your door, you know, we, we, I mean, the United States compared to, with the exception, I think, of England, compared to like any Western European country, the majority of its residents live in cities, in urban environments where there is diversity. Right. That is, you know, despite what Sarah Palin says about the real America. No, real America is, is like that. And I just, I just believe it in my heart that if you started to make games look like that, no one's even going to really notice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that wasn't the, yeah. you know, talking about that really quickly about that reveal on the, in the Bethesda, uh, 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 gosh, I can't talk about Fallout. it. Uh, Fallout. Yeah. The Fallout and the, all the stuff, the thing. Yes. At E3. The Fallout, the Dishonored. Yeah. The, 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 the right, thing. right. The things with the, the stuff. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. There was no, like, oh, fuck this game. It's got right, a woman in right. it. Everyone was I like, know, holy shit, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that, that's my memory, too. And trust me, I was avidly watching Twitter throughout you know, th- that reveal because I wanted to gauge that reaction. I, yeah. It's, yeah, I, I, I think that there's a vocal minority. I, mean, I think I've told you this story before. Mm. And this, this will give you some insight. When I was at G4, um, oh. I can't forget the gentleman's name. This was years and years ago. It was at Comic-Con, and I was approached by a friend of mine who ran the site Gay Gamer at the time. Oh, yeah. And he was saying that, you know, he was, he wanted to talk about doing some sort of PSA. This is when we first started noticing the real problems with online behavior in, in, in online games and the words that people were using. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know, maybe you guys at G4 could do, like, some PSAs or something like that to kind of encourage people. I'm like, no, I love this idea. Maybe I can talk to the ESA and, and that. So I went to, um, not the uh, head of production, it was, it was another person there, and I told her about the idea, expecting, like, hey, this is a great thing, it'll make us look good. Here's what I was told. We don't want to alienate anybody. <laughs> <laughs> and I, so we don't want to alienate racists and homophobes right. and misogynists, <laughs> because you now believe that they make up the bulk of our audience, and we're all okay with that shit. Yep. And, you know, G4 was not a bastion of the well-thought-out, of the uh, innovative, of... I'm talking about management, not, not, not the, the wonderful people I work directly with. Um, but I think that right there, that crystallizes that kind of fearful and retrograde thinking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uninformed thinking mm-hmm. that really does drive a lot of media and probably a lot, other, a, a lot of other aspects of corporate America. Maybe not as crudely as it was expressed to me. But that, I, I think that, you know, that, that's the thing that has to be overcome. And I think there's just some, some generational things that can help make that happen. Right. But, yeah, it's, it's, it, that, that, that's always stuck with me. Oh, man. We have one last question. One last quick question. And since we started on a horror, horror theme, we're going to end on a horror theme. What has been your favorite horror scene from a video game that you have played 
or what is your favorite horror game that you have played? Favorite horror game, favorite horror scene. See, I know a lot of people didn't like it, but I love some stuff in The Evil Within. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was great. When, when I'm forgetting what it's, it's the six legged armed woman with the black hair. Oh, Sarah yeah. Palin? Yeah. <laughs> when she emerges and chases you down the hall. And one of the, my favorite parts about that game is sometimes all you can do is run. Right, right, right. right. And it was like, that's what I actually want from a horror game where I'm like, this makes no sense. It's really freaky and I clearly can't do anything about it. That is kind of what we're trying to, we're going to try to capture Friday the 13th because very little horror involves you actually, you know, like, oh, I can take this. And <laughs> right. that, that really, because I remember I was playing it because I was doing some stuff on that with Bethesda and just my heart was just racing <laughs> because I, it really, it captured that necessary sense of vulnerability that I really want from a video game, right. a, a horror video game. See, what, what, what's yours? Um, the, the scariest game that I ever played, um, I actually, I, we, we talked about this uh, really quickly uh, yesterday with uh, Fresh Out of Token. Shout out to Tanya and David. Um, the scariest game I ever played was uh, Sneak King. The Burger King. <laughs> oh, the Burger King <laughs> yes. <game>? So... <laughs> So, um, <laughs> if anyone's ever played Sneak King, the beginning part is the scariest thing that you've ever seen. So, like, if you remember, if everyone remembers the uh, the advertisements when they were doing the Burger King, where the, he had this giant, mm. this oversized, like, porcelain head, uh, and he was just, you know, walking around with his regular king body. Well, the, the intro to the game was the Burger King in this outfit decked out in this outfit, sneaking around your house. So he's like over by the garage, by the back door, and then he crawls through some bushes and then he peeks in through through your bathroom window and then he comes up to the front. And, and it was just the most terrifying thing that you could ever see. Can you imagine being in your kitchen, making yourself a bologna and cheese sandwich, and you look to your left and there is the Burger King's face Right there. <laughs> Fuck you I guys. Totally, I totally thought that you were going to say, and there looks R. Kelly. Right, right, right. <laughs> No, R. Kelly's sitting on the back. He's talking about how brilliant that was. Yeah. Oh. See, he's watching you right. have this happen to you on television <laughs> right, and commenting right, right. on it. Exactly. On it. I, I love this right. idea. We're all just in R. Kelly's we're, world. Exactly. He's commenting exactly. on it. <laughs> he's just commenting on it. Oh, my God. Uh, uh, Reef, what is yours? So, um, I'll actually say... Um, there's a scene in um, Resident Evil 4 where you first um, come across the regenerator uh, um, yeah. guys yeah. that you can't kill. Um, well, like that you can't kill c- kind of normally. Um, and I remember when I first came across that thing, I, you know, obviously it's a game series where like ammo is always low and you have to like conserve like your stuff. And they set up this like puzzle where you have to like push these cabinets around to get back out of this room i had no bullets this thing was just chasing me it took me like 30 minutes because i kept trying to like kite it around these like (laughs) other things and i was like so tense like i don't remember being that like literally scared for my life in a game um in a in a, a, a very long time 
Um, though what was close was uh, PT because I couldn't finish that game. Oh yeah, uh, oh, like yeah. the jump scares yeah. were a little too much for me. Um, but as far as like a pure kind of fear, like that RE4 against the regenerator, I just man, <laughs> it got me. I think, I think uh, if you've ever been to any movie theater that has been with a predominantly African American crowd. There is a very interesting phrase that you will hear during a horror movie, and it sounds a little bit like this. Nah, fuck that shit. Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that came out of my mouth when I played Condemned 2. Oh, Condemned. Oh, yes. Yeah. And there was this section that had these, you're walking inside of a, of a, of a store, and these mannequins yes. appear out of yep. nowhere. Yes. And yep. every time you turn your camera, they reappear in front of you and they move closer to you. Mm. The words, nah, fuck that shit, came out of my <laughs> mouth in loud and clear tones. And I, it has stuck with me. And honestly, I haven't had another scenario happen like that besides PT. But even PT didn't hit that kind of kind of moment no nope, uh, that was one hell of a moment yeah. it was a great it was it was one of those things where as a horror fan i was like you totally got that right yeah yeah you yeah. got yeah. that right in the best yeah. way yeah um and i have to say this has been a fucking epic episode we got this show uh, right in the best way i mean we did yeah. we absolutely <laughs> did uh adam thank you so much for being on no, the show thank you man. guys Th- th- thank you for letting me come on do a little bit of chilling but hang out with people i really like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness if you if you want to plug all the things now's the time to plug all, all right things. so lumberjack man it is available on vod now it is playing in some select cities but let's focus on the vod because everyone can get that yes because if you're listening to the show and and and, and you, you can't get the vod well, just talk to me after. Right. <laughs> um, also, uh, this is going to go on until Friday the 13th in November. The Kickstarter for Friday the 13th, the game. We could use anybody's support, no matter how little. And if you can't give us uh, any money, I completely understand. Just help get the word out because we need to keep it going. We're about halfway there, but we have a long way to go. And I know you guys know this is an exciting project. There's nothing I want to see happen more than this game. I mean, this is becoming just a passion project of, of in, in, in the extreme. I never thought this game could exist, and now that I know, it must. So, <laughs> please, please help me out. <laughs> Absolutely. We will do everything we possibly can Absolutely. to share the word Absolutely. and share out all the info. And we'd love to have the folks from Gun Game come through and also Raphael Sadiq. So please, yeah. if you can. Yeah. Yes, I will, I, will, I, will, I, will, I will get the word out. <laughs> <laughs> C, uh, can you share the social media business, please? Social media businesses as follows. Uh, for uh, Well, first, first and foremost, um, if people want to follow you, Adam, on, on the Twitters. And, and, exactly. and also, and also uh, Friday the 13th, the game on Twitter. Yes, yes. Um, I am Adam Sessler. No, no big surprise there. Friday the Thirteenth is Friday Thirteenth One Three T H. One game. Three. That's Got that it. is okay. the correct account. All right. So Friday One Three T H game. Let's make sure that we uh, we guys are following that, and you're going to the Kickstarter and you're checking that stuff out. Um, if you want to go to us or come to us and check the stuff that we're doing out, uh, first and foremost, you want to find Sharif Jackson. He is at Sharif Jackson on all social media platforms. 
Uh, make sure you check him out. Check out Operation Cubicle, the the show that he does with J.P. Fairfield. Um, that's his that's his main show. We are a side piece. And, uh, you know, check all well, that love stuff you the out same. there. Um, you want to check myself or Kai out? I, we are Stubby Stan and at Kaja Kins, respectively. The show is at Spawn On Me. Um, make sure you go to our website, spawnon.me, uh, for any information or if you want to contact us, uh, you want to send us questions like you guys did this week. Thanks so much. And uh, go to esn.fm slash Spawn On Me for our shows and, and other info iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, uh, well, not SoundCloud, play, play.fm. Um, go ahead and check all those places out. Subscribe, share it with your friends, do all that stuff. And help support us while you're supporting Friday the 13th, the game, uh, keeping that going. Um, whatever money you have left over after supporting <laughs> them, come and, come and, yes. su- come and support us. Uh, Patreon.com slash born on me. Help keep the lights on. Help keep Ricargo burning. Keep the biscuits, the Cheddar Bay biscuits hot and fresh. And also, <laughs> you want to make sure that you check out GamingLooksGood.com and GamingLooksGood.com. That's right. Uh, and again, Adam, thank you so much for rocking with us. Oh, thank, thank you so you much guys. for supporting us. And thank you so much for being on with us this week. My God, this is going to be a dope show. <laughs> Everybody, thank you so much for listening this week and every week. We love you all out there in Bracago. We will see you all next week, and we will say peace. Peace.